0: And that's the thing. I feel like it's not even about like traffic laws. It's just like I hate other drivers so mm. much because they it's not even that they break the, the rules. It's that they are so inconsiderate. And like that's the thing I hate about driving is oh. like other inconsiderate people. That's
1: funny because I hate when people are being overly considerate mm. and it is impeding traffic. Oh, that also
0: bothers <laughs> me. Be, ex- um, be the exact <laughs> right amount of iterate everyone (laughs) because it's actually funny because on the way here i was going through the tunnel and uh, you know we have a thousand you know tolls uh, open and available but they're all cashless now and like if you go in you don't have an easy pass they just send you a bill it's not that big of a deal and this person just stops in between two of the toll booths and is just sitting there and I was like, you have to make a choice. Neither of these tolls is going to make a difference. Like uh, it was so irritating. That happens all the time. Like I see it every day. Just like people go just, through. People just stopping. And you're like, you have to keep moving. <laughs> it's unbelievable. But We're not here to talk about traffic. We're not. We're here to talk about history On the rocks. With Katie. And Allie. This is a podcast where we talk about famous women in history. And
1: we talk about good women and bad women and fictional women and non-fictional women from literally all times and places tonight. (laughs)
0: I'm
1: going from all times today.
0: Uh, Because women have nuance. They definitely do. Um, But just so you know, if you are new to this podcast, we are going to be talking about women. But we're going to be doing it a little... inebriated 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 yeah yeah, yeah. because we are drinking the entire time
1: (laughs) and we're also not historians we find this information the way that you find your information which is google but we've just did it we did it for you
0: we did it for you and we're just putting it in a nice little package so you can enjoy it on the rocks Um. and hopefully
1: you'll enjoy (laughs) our crazy banter and side stories
0: and singing usually there's singing (laughs) but mostly facts this podcast is probably 50% fax. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Facts is the majority shareholder yeah. of this podcast. <laughs> 51%, I guess. Um, all right. But before we get into our drinks and our people, you are... <laughs> you're mowing the lawn. You're mowing the lawn. You are mowing
1: the lawn and you have in your AirPods. Mm-hmm. So your phone's in your pocket and
0: you can't stop what you're doing to Google these people. You really can't there's just no time for hands' because <laughs> <laughs> you're busy
1: you're so busy, you're getting ready for whatever's happening this weekend right now is election week that you're listening that you're to this. listening, yeah, yeah, so you're going to we're not gonna we don't know right now who won, but you, future us will
0: future us will so hopefully future us is celebrating i can't believe it's that soon Ah. oh actually i need to borrow a black pen from you because i went to fill out my ballot today i don't have a black pen yeah i only write in blue so i need to do that because i need to take my freaking ballot to the box tomorrow Yeah. if you (gasps) forgot to
1: vote everyone um i have access to a time machine and you can go back in time and do that Mm -hmm. thank you very much so anyway you can't look up these girls because you're <laughs> no. cutting the grass, because you're rejoicing about the fact that we have a new president. Yeah. Um, so we
0: need to get a little...
1: <laughs> physical, physical. Allie, who are
0: you doing? What does she look like?
1: Well, I am doing the uh, American Girl dolls tonight. So
0: exciting. <laughs> it's
1: very exciting. An American Girl doll is an 18-inch doll. They are each nine years old and all living in the United States With a variety of ethnicities, time periods, abilities, aptitudes, faiths, and social classes. Each girl has um, a variety of clothing outfits that they can wear, but their meet outfit is the most iconic, which the meet outfit is like the meet Samantha, meet Kirsten outfit on the front of their book. For example, the meet Samantha one was the red and white checkered dress Mm -hmm. back in the day. Now it's that pink dress with the white collar um, there have been 10 face molds created throughout the company's history, but they currently only use eight of them. Hmm. The molds do not con- connect to any one specific race or ethnicity. So, like, for example, if you're getting a Truly Me doll, you can pick any of the molds and put a different skin tone on it. Oh, okay. Um The molds are the classic mold, which is the first one they use, the Addie mold, the Josefina mold, the Kaya mold, the Jess mold, the Sonali mold, the Nanani mold, and the Joss mold. And they are named after the first doll that they made that face for. Oh, so that's where they got their names. Um, and they're just so damn cute. (laughs) (laughs) They are cute. (laughs) And that's what American girl does look like. Who are you doing? What does she look like?
0: I am doing the great singer songwriter, Carol King. So Carol has kind of like, like an oval face with very rounded features. She has these bright blue eyes that, kind of squint when she smiles and they're like a little smaller than the rest of her face but they just really light up when she is singing or talking or laughing and she has these full lips that move into a huge smile um and she has a prominent nose she has big curly hair that has gone from short and blondish to long and brown to kind of just big and blonde over the years (laughs) and even though it's not the 70s anymore I feel like she still carries that spirit around with her in the way that she dresses and the way that she engages with people and you can really see that she is as beautiful as she feels and that's what she looks like
1: (laughs) that is exactly what she looks like she's a fun little person yeah she Um, is I'm excited to learn about her but First, I'm excited to learn about
0: her drink. Yes. We've been doing a lot of really brightly colored drinks this season. Yes. And uh, this one is... I don't know. I I was... Because, like... So, the drink is called Tapestry. And everything in it kind of has, like, a... I don't know. Like, a color to it. You know? So, it is... Two ounces of bourbon, um, an ounce of blueberry liqueur, an ounce of Goldschlager, and apple-spiced bitter. So it's kind of feeling like, you know, red from the apple and gold from the Goldschlager and, you know, blueberry and this brown and, like, very, like, 70s tones. So uh, this is the tapestry. Cheers. Cheers.
1: Mm, It's very warm and has a warm taste. Mm -hmm. Warm and deep. Yes. That's how I would... Describe it. Yes. Um, We're really bolstering up Miss Krista's uh, liquor cabinet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So sorry, you have to go buy all these new things, but this (laughs) is a really,
0: really good drink. Yeah. I wanted to create also something very like fall and like warm and something Mm -hmm. you could kind of like curl up with because... I feel like that's how her music feels to me. Like mm-hmm. I feel like when the leaves change colors, you break out the Carol King. Wow,
1: well, that's connected <laughs> in your brain to Gilmore Girls. That's
0: true too. I, I think that's so. absolutely that true. All,
1: it's all the same.
0: Um so this story is from Elsie Marshall 95, right? Mhm. Elsie Marshall. So thank you so much for your request.
1: She's been uh she I think she I should say they. They they have been a constant for a very long time liker commenter yes. on all of our social media stuff, so
0: thank you for this request. This is going to be a fun one. It really is. So, what do you know about Carol King?
1: Um, so I know she's a singer songwriter. Mm-hmm. She did write the the intro song to Gilmore Girls, right? Yes. The, if you're out mm-hmm. on the road, yeah, I know she wrote that song. Um, I feel like there's some sort of drama in her life may be connected to an eating disorder but I'm not sure I think I might have made that up. that might be Janis Joplin yeah okay so I don't know anything it's not about King. I don't know anything about <laughs> her okay then go ahead and tell me about Carol King I'm excited to learn
0: okay um so I got most of this from this like documentary called you've got a friend the Carol King story um which was not super available online it's like one of those videos that's like here's the video in the lower left corner and the rest is just like sparkly graphics (laughs) and the sound quality is terrible. I hate that. Um, But I got it from that. I got it from Wikipedia, a couple online articles. Um, But, Okay, let's get into it. So Carol Joan Klein was born on February 9th, 1942 in Manhattan, New York to parents Eugenia. Shout out to my grandmother. Never heard anyone else with that name. Um, And Sydney Klein. Um, So her parents had met in an elevator at Brooklyn College while she was a drama major and he was studying chemistry. But eventually they both dropped out. He became a radio announcer while she took care of the house, but eventually radio wasn't paying as well in the struggling economy. Cause this is like when they were kind of meeting and getting married, it was like very post-depression. Okay. Um, so he quit and joined the best of the best, the New York city fire department in Brooklyn. Wow. So it's kind of like a cute little love story. It's a very cute love story. So Carol has a pretty normal Jewish Brooklyn life upbringing until she's around three. And, she starts to get very curious about this big thing in the living room, the piano. Her mother played occasionally and Carol was just like drawn to it. She would just go sit at the bench every day, but she was too short. So she would set two large like phone books on the bench and crawl up to the keys. And her mother was like, okay, yeah, we'll teach you like a few little things and whatever. She wasn't giving a real lesson. She was just like, these are the very basic basics of piano. But by the time she was four, she was like, OK, this girl needs actual lessons. And she started spending more and more time at the piano. And uh, then there was this one day when Carol heard a song on the radio and then she ran to the piano and she started mimicking the songs on the keys. Oh, and her mom was like, how the fuck did you do that? <laughs> and. So again, she's like four or five years old when she's doing this. People who have an ear for music
1: impress me
0: so much. I know. And she literally did. So one day her father sat her down and he started playing notes and he'd be like, what's this? And she's like, that's a B flat. And he's like, what's this? She's like, that's an A sharp. That's an E minor. Whatever the names of the notes are. And she said she like looked at her father and he had the biggest smile on his face. He's like, oh, my fucking God, you have perfect pitch.
1: Oh, he's so impressed with her. He's so
0: impressed. He's a firefighter that loves oh my perfect gosh. pitch. I know. <laughs> he is thrilled. He's perfect. Oh, my gosh. He would show her off at parties. He'd be like, <laughs> look what Carol can do. And he'd like play a note and she'd name it. And he'd brag to his friends about it constantly. Do you know anybody named Carol our age? Or is that a name that has gone with the wind? I think it's gone with the wind. Okay.
1: I think maybe it'll make a comeback. It'll I make a comeback. Know. Maybe the next generation. My kids' yeah. generation.
0: I don't know. We'll but see. So she's four years old. She starts writing songs already. They're like just little ditty, she says. But it was a passion from like a very early age to put what she was thinking and playing to paper. So she played the piano and practiced constantly. And she made it clear that she wanted to do this. And her parents were just so supportive and uh, they like and she makes it very clear. She was like, I was the one that was like pushing it like they never made me practice. Like they never asked me, like, why aren't you playing the piano? Yeah, because like, music was something that bonded her whole family. She said in her memoir, my parents loved each other, loved me. I loved them and we all loved music. So it was like a family event when they would all sit around the piano and sing songs together. Which That's just, so cute. It sounds so lovely it sounds
1: like like board game night but like for
0: people who have more skills i know i like that (laughs) uh soon it was time for carol to start kindergarten but after a short period of time they realized that carol was far beyond the other students particularly with words and numbers which they really emphasize at those ages um so they just bumped her up to second grade she goes from kindergarten to second grade
1: (laughs) Whoa, that's a huge jump. It's a
0: huge jump. They
1: do say that only children, she's an only child. I read somewhere that she had a brother,
0: but like I didn't Mm. read about him literally anywhere. Because if she's an only child, usually
1: they are like more articulate to Mm -hmm. adults just because all they do is speak to adults and they don't have like a little kid to run off with. But I mean, either way, it sounds like she was spending a lot of time with her family and kids that spend time with their family just no more words yeah no concepts. she definitely did that doesn't explain the math thing but <laughs> no no it doesn't
0: <laughs> um and carol said she was like it was really good for my curiosity like i was never bored in school but being two years younger than the rest of my classmates for my whole education was like really rough socially oh i'm sure <laughs> so in the 50s she starts attending james madison high school in brooklyn where she formed a singing group called the Cosines. <laughs> where um and this is when she officially like changes her name from carol klein to carol king she's like that's my stage name already she's like 14
1: in high school That's so cute (laughs)
0: um and her and her little group would play at school dances and around town carol would play piano sing on and write all the songs um but she wanted more so when she was about 15 or 16 she starts going into manhattan to meet with music producers And there are apparently these buildings and like they they were talking about in the documentary. They were like, yeah, people would just come in and like be like, I have a song. And they'd be like, great, there's the piano. And they play it and they'd be like, all right, give you 25 bucks for it. So she's literally selling songs when she's a teenager in high school for $25 a piece. That's so cool. And it's you know what? so cool. That's
1: one of the really cool things about being in New York. Like if you've mm-hmm. ever been there in New York City on a weekday and gotten on the subway, like there aren't school buses in New York. Like yeah. the kids grab their backpack. They leave their house. They get on the subway. Their friends are there. They go to school and they come home. So yeah. it's very easy to just... Get off the bus at a different stop and walk in and sell a song.
0: Yeah. And it's so—it's such a sense of like independence that I feel like kids in New York have that other people don't like, and I'm so like jealous of oh, it, the like envy that, I have. Oh my god, it's <laughs> so cool. Um, so. She's doing this, and one of the producers in the documentary was like, I've never met a more confident and talent, talented teenager in my life. Wow. So she's hanging around the music studio. and Not even T-Swift? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> she actually reminds me a lot of Taylor Swift. Like,
1: I'm just going to write these songs because that's what yeah. she was at first. She was mm-hmm. selling
0: songs to Columbia Records,
1: I think. Yeah. Taylor Swift.
0: And then just like, like I don't know, they, she just reminds me. A lot of her mm-hmm. um so also around this time she meets this guy they're having a good time they're recording music together they're just friends um it's this young guy by the name of paul simon <laughs> of simon and garfunkel wow <laughs> um so she's around good people um and then when she's around 16 or 17 she starts attending queen's college in brooklyn where she met a fellow musician named jerry goffin they hit it off right away and they discovered that they had this insane writing chemistry and soon after carol found herself 17 and pregnant so she and jerry who was 20 got married and had their first child louise soon after
1: oh no i know i mean which you know it's gonna happen i don't mean like oh no like you got pregnant, your life's over but it's like you know it's just it wasn't planned Mm -mm. I also, mean,
0: is the relationship at least good with this guy or are we getting For there? a little while. Okay. Um so and it's weird too because again, she's like seventeen and in college, you know, so it's mm-hmm. not even like it's different. It's yeah, everything is just like again, like sped up for her, it mm. seems like. Or like behind or whatever. But so They have their baby, Jerry gets a job as an assistant chemist, and Carol finds work as a receptionist, but they always wanted to just write music together. That's all they wanted to do. So after working long hours and taking care of the baby, they would come home, and Carol was in charge of melody and music, and Jerry was in charge of the lyrics. And soon, something finally sold. One of the first songs they ever sold was called Will You Love Me Tomorrow. You know that song? I don't. Uh, will you still love me? Oh, yeah, I do know that yeah. song. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it's such a good song, um, which now we know is a song from Tapestry, but originally it was sang by the Shirelles, an all-black female singing group. And it was meant to be kind of a sequel to one of their other songs, Love Me Tonight, which got Carol thinking. She's like, yeah, but like, what about the next day? Oh. You know, like, will you still love me after we have sex? Or is that all you were here for? Right. You know? So and this song is crucial because after its success, they were able to do songwriting full time just from one song, just from that one song, because it was a number one hit. Oh, I, Like I, this I see. song was so popular. And so after that, it was just song after song after song. They would sometimes write the songs in less than an hour.
1: It's that surprises me so much.
0: Yeah. like People understand. who
1: can throw together a melody and lyrics and
0: like, yeah verse chorus verse, yeah. chorus bridge, <laughs> bridge chorus <laughs> it's unbelievable it's really cool <laughs> um some of the other songs that they wrote together around mm-hmm. this time were some kind of wonderful the locomotion up on the roof one fine day and i'm into something good uh, of course you make me feel like a natural woman which we'll get into yeah and just like dozens of other songs that aren't like quite as well known but like when those songs come on like you know what they are like you've heard them a thousand times yeah
1: and you probably know the words mm-hmm. that she and her husband were
0: formulating yeah, yeah. exactly and um- I read one website that said that they wrote 400 songs together during their relationship. Wow. Which also reminds me of Dolly Parton. How like Mm -hmm. Dolly Parton is just like a songwriting machine. Like it's unreal how many songs she's written. Yeah.
1: I meant to ask you have you watched the new Netflix documentary thing about her? No I haven't. I haven't either. Mm. I gotta get on it. I'm being such a dick (laughs) about it.
0: I'm like but I don't have to watch it because Katie already told me all about her in a podcast. I'm also (laughs) nervous it's gonna include a whole bunch of stuff that I was like damn I wish I would have said that in my story. Um, We can do do a part reboot. We can do a Patreon <laughs> reboot. Um, so they obviously have like a ton of talent writing and you know writing music and songs, but they also knew how to spot talent. So while they are writing all these things, remember that they had two kids because in the midst of this, she had another child. (laughs) Wow. Um, And it became difficult dragging them back and forth between the studio and home. So they hired a woman named Eva Narcissus Boyd as their nanny. Narcissus? I know. (laughs) So... Some people like to say that Eva was singing around the house and Carol was like, oh, my gosh, you can sing like we got to get you in the recording studio. But Carol was like, no, I was super aware the whole time that she was a good singer. She was like, we brought her into the house to like give her a job before we could like find her like a way into the industry like so she could save up money. Like- <laughs> I love when
1: people pretend that things just happen. I know. Oh, my gosh. What a quinky ding. I can't it's believe like, it. No,
0: there was a plan. Exactly. And that pathway came with a song called Locomotion, which, of course, they were like, Eva, you have to sing this. The song was, like, made for you. Um, And she recorded it. It soared to number one and completely changed Eva's life. And I don't know about you, but when I hear that song, all I see is, like, the Cosby children, like... (laughs) Dancing down the stairs oh, yeah. in that one episode of the oh, coffee show. No, no,
1: come on. yeah, I can't. Um, I could not have told you who sang that song. Oh, I
0: couldn't either. Was she a one-hit wonder? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I just I could
1: not have told you at all that that was a no. I
0: would yeah. have probably guessed some random famous band. Yep. Exactly. But it totally changed her life, and then she was known as Little Eva. So that was like her stage name. <laughs> Um, And fun fact, so the whole point of the song is that, like, everybody's doing this dance. It's called the locomotion. But they just wrote the song for fun. There was no dance. Oh. And so the song came out, and everybody's like, well, how do I do it? And Carol was like... Eva, I think you need to make up a dance. <laughs> so she just kind of made up this little little dig, jig or whatever, and yeah. people were doing the locomotion. But...
1: <laughs> what exactly is the locomotion? <laughs> um,
0: and then they had another one of their lesser-known songs get really popular when the Beatles covered it, which was, like, a huge deal. Mm. It was a song called Chains, which they had actually written for a little group called The Cookies. <laughs> oh, what a cute name. <laughs> which was, like, another, like, all-black female group. They wrote a lot of songs for, like... Like these types of bands okay um and carol talked about how exciting it was when the beatles cover it covered it and everyone was like wow they are such fantastic songwriters and she was like i mean i wrote that one but okay whatever okay, okay fine. <laughs> fine fine,
1: fine. <laughs> um wait does, so what, when you sell a song mm-hmm. does it depend on the contract or do you always get royalties for that song
0: i, I think it depends on the contract okay. i think um because sometimes it's like and it's ours forever that's the kind of song she was selling at first and then Mm -hmm. it was kind of like no this is my song but you can use it Mm -hmm. I think or Mm -hmm. like something like that because I know like later on she's making royalties off of it
1: yeah because like we bought like we bought the music for our podcast Mm -hmm. but we don't own it we we paid a one-time fee yeah and the artist gets that money but they can also sell the song to other people yeah
0: I have no idea what the situation is okay
1: I was Um, just curious I mean I know you probably didn't know it's just something that I don't ever think about in like those types of art industries yeah because I think the same is true of like street art and like murals and stuff you don't get those forever royalties it's like I sold you my song yeah and now it's done even if it becomes a number one
0: hit right well I know that's a really interesting fact you bring up with like the murals because like sometimes murals are featured in like photographers thing and then they sell a picture of that mural for like a million dollars and the guy's like I painted I mean, that. I painted that. So do I get literally any money? Right. Like what the hell? Like mm-hmm. that picture would be nothing without my mural in it. Like,
1: <laughs> uh, Yeah. When we did, um, we do a thing in Baltimore every year called light street where like artists come and like light things up, make light art. Oh, light city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Light city. And um, there is this one, Light exhibit, and it was lit up pictures of all of the murals in Mm -hmm. Baltimore. And somebody who did one of the murals came and like tagged over top of it, like, You did not get permission. (gasps) Oh my god, to use a picture of this mural!
0: How do you not get permission? You have to ask that, you have to ask, yeah. That's ridiculous. God. Oh, my gosh. Because it's not like, oh, yeah, I took a picture and I printed it. And now it's in my room. Like, that's right. like a big event where, like, thousands <laughs> of people are coming to see it. <laughs> I know. <sighs> okay. Um, another song I want to talk about for a second is Up on the Roof, um, which they wrote for the Drifters, because I absolutely love the version that they did. It's so good. But when Carol sings it, you really get the meaning of the song. And it, because, like, you know, with the Drifters, like, oh on the roof and it's like oh yeah this is fun and when she sings it it's like when the world is getting you down and you're around all these people and you just need to get away like you know just head up to the roof because she was like in New York City you're constantly feeling like you cannot get away right so the only place that like New Yorkers can go to get like a moment of quiet is up on the roof and Mm -hmm. I was like and it's just like I just love that song and just the melody and the, the lyrics of it, they're all so good. Um, and you know, and then she, you know, she mentions that she was like, and then you can like invite another person up there if you want. <laughs> <laughs> um, and again, remember she's two years ahead of everything in her life. So when she's writing this song and having these kids, she's like 19 right now.
1: Oh my gosh. Which all- is so
0: insanely young, but she said she always considered herself an old Jewish woman. She just wanted to, Write songs, play music, live in the suburbs and play Mahjong with her friends. Apparently, apparently she loved <laughs> Mahjong. <laughs> so when her kids were in elementary school, they moved to West Orange, New Jersey. But suburbia was not what Jerry wanted. And frankly, married life was not really what he wanted either. They were so young when they got married. And now they are working with all these cute young girls and these singing groups and... He's having lots of affairs with them. Oh, he come is, on, Jerry. Know, he's constantly cheating on her. And in 1964, he got one of the cookies pregnant. Oh, no. I know.
1: So then now her husband is the father
0: of another woman's baby. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. So and then when they were in this suburb, he was like, well, I want to take care of both of my family. So he moves the cookie And her child into a house down the street. I can't imagine. I really can't.
1: That is heartbreaking. Yeah. Because it's like now now you have to come face to face with the fact that your husband cheated on you every day. Every day. I mean, good on him for trying to take
0: care of. Yeah. Because he
1: is financially responsible for that other baby as well. Yeah, he is.
0: And like, I want them to be super comfortable and like good to go, you know, like, but. Yeah, it just—it's a really tricky situation. Yeah, um, and it's so easy to like
1: blame the other woman. I think a
0: lot. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, no, this was no and Jerry. It's, <sighs> I know, and she must have been young because all the girls in those groups were like teenagers. Well, like, <laughs> he has
1: a thing for young girls, yeah, obviously.
0: Um, so. But this isn't the only thing that's kind of going on with Jerry right now. He is starting to get into the darker side of rock and roll, um, the drugs. And he got really into LSD, which triggered an underlying manic depressive disorder. So by the late 60s, Jerry is absolutely falling apart. And so was their marriage. And so this is all going on. And then in 1967, so this is that baby is now three. OK. OK. So, so he had the baby. The, had baby's the baby. Living down the street. Down the street. They're still together. Three years of drugs. Three years of drugs. Years of drugs madness. Manic depressive disorder. But still writing songs. <laughs> They're still writing hit songs. <laughs> um, and in 1967, this guy literally pulls up to Carol on the streets of New York City in a limo. And he goes, hey, I need a hot new song for Aretha Franklin. And she was like, uh, OK. And he goes, and the song, cu- the t- song title has to be natural woman (laughs) and carol says okay and he just drives off so she goes home and did he put
1: up the bat signal for her to find (laughs) him again yes i (laughs) I don't
0: know so she went home and her and jerry wrote one of aretha franklin's most famous songs i mean that is that song is it's iconic it's iconic for both of them oh yeah and they wrote it in just like an insanely short amount of time. I don't know how long. It could have been hours. It could have been days. But...
1: With a falling apart marriage with and two falling kids apart and a marriage, and mental health issues.
0: <laughs> I, I mean... I mean, this is why it was one of their last songs they ever wrote together. That actually, you know, was good. And it just... It paints such a dark picture because those are Jerry's lyrics, which is so crazy to think about. I mean, he's writing this when he's in the throes of... LSD mental illness divorce and it's pretty fucking impressive um that he can really like because I feel like whenever like oh like a woman like hears that song it's like you really fucking feel it and like I don't know how he tapped into that while screwing over multiple women at the same time um but uh he probably it's tapped
1: into it by screwing over probably women probably
0: at the same <laughs> <time>. <laughs> um but With the royalties from that last song, they moved to Los Angeles, California separately. They divorced and just started totally separate careers. So
1: wait, they both moved to California. Yes. And they are both separately in California. Yes. With the kids. Yes. Okay.
0: But... Jerry is not really involved in the kids anymore.
1: East Coast to West Coast move is a brave, bold really big move. Yeah, I mean, New York is very high pace, very mm-hmm. incredible, very different from mm. California.
0: Yeah, but what they needed at the moment was really to be near all the up and coming rock and roll groups because that's who they were writing for. Right. And that makes sense. In New it York, makes sense. at some point, if you're not going to write a Broadway musical. You know, especially at this time, it's like you need you really need to be out there. That's where like the hub of music is at yeah. the moment.
1: You either need to be writing for a Broadway musical yeah. or performing music on one of the Tonight Shows. Yep, exactly. Or like Saturday Night Live or something like that. You are yep. the music director of a major live television program. Yeah,
0: and especially like living in West Orange, New Jersey. Yeah. Like, you know, I think the move was definitely very positive. So and actually, they still wrote together occasionally. I, I mean, don't think they're often good, if but if you are good at it, you yeah. know? But eventually, Carol found a new love in LA, a fellow musician named Charles Larkey, and they had a musical group called The City, and this time like she's singing in the group, which is a little different. Um and she also found a new writing partner, um this woman who's a famous lyricist named Tony Stern. Um so this new group The City, they were good, but Even though Carol was the lead singer, she wasn't really ready to be a performer. She was used to being in the background. So she refused to play live, which was like the main way to boost your music back then. There was no iTunes. So (laughs) they couldn't get their album really out there because she wouldn't perform. And so they didn't do so well. But then she meets James Taylor and Joni Mitchell, and collaborating with them really encouraged her to pursue a solo career. Uh, Fun fact they sing background on her tapestry version of Will You Love Me Tomorrow.
1: Really? Mm -hmm.
0: And it was James Taylor, who is one of my mom's favorite, favorite artists. Like when I think of James Taylor and Carol King, I think of like my childhood and like the music my mom listened to. Your mom's a big Bruce Bruce fan. Uh, Bruce Springsteen? Uh huh. Is she? Yeah. I don't remember a lot of Bruce in my house. Uh, I, I think like she, she likes the idea of Bruce. Uh,
1: <laughs> she definitely has like some Bruce albums that like sit there. And I was like, really?
0: <laughs> I always think of the Beach Boys, James Taylor, Carol King, and John Denver.
1: What's the song that she really likes? That's like I know, I know, I know. Oh, I know. what's that song? Do you know um, the song?
0: That's Bill Withers. Ain't no sunshine okay. when she's gone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because my mom also loves Motown.
1: Uh-huh, she loves that mm-hmm. song.
0: God. Um, but shout out to Jude. <laughs> shout out to Jude. Um,. And it was James Taylor. It was Jude Jude G U yeah. J U D E S. That's her mom's yes. name is Judy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it's James Taylor who encourages her to start playing solo. And he's like, You need to get rid of your stage fright because you're so fucking good and nobody knows because you won't play live. So he's like, I'm doing a show this night at this, you know, Troubadour Theater, whatever. He's like, come on and like play your songs. She's getting ready to sing her song and the whole theater has to evacuate. Why? Because someone called in a bomb threat. No. I almost in like when I was watching it, I was like, was it Carol? Because she didn't want to perform because she was scared. (laughs) But no, it wasn't Carol. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It got solved pretty quickly. So like everybody evacuates. They come back in. Carol sits down again and she's like, whew. Well, as long as I don't bum, I think that will be okay. <laughs> oh, Everybody laughs. You. And from that day on, she was totally over her stage fright. She literally just needed to, like, get out there once and just get over it. Um, so in 1970, she releases her first solo album, um, aptly titled Writer. <laughs> um, and again, I encourage everyone to go listen to her recording of Up on the Roof. Uh, it makes me cry a little bit. Um, The album wasn't too well known with a lot of people, Um, you know, but everybody says now like, oh, it's so underrated. Um, But, you know, making it was really fun. And people talking about working with Carol said it was amazing because she's so talented and kind. But she was also so confident that like she was steering the ship and like everyone was like, okay any decision she makes is the right decision and she knew exactly how she wanted the song to sound she knew exactly what she wanted every instrument to do and it was all like oh yeah no that's the right decision you know well,
1: i feel like when you write a song and then you pass it off to somebody else at yeah. some point it becomes a bastardized version of what you originally created yeah i'm sure that's
0: annoying yeah so um like People just thought it was amazing how she could really like manifest her vision, you know, like in a song, which I don't know how to do that. So, <laughs> um, and then a year later in 1971, she would release Tapestry, which she apparently wrote and recorded in like three weeks. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> and when it came out, it absolutely exploded because. It was also kind of what America needed at the time. So like we're saying in the cocktail description, the album is kind of like a warm blanket. Like you just feel so good when you listen to it. And at this time, it's 1971. The dream of the 60s had crumbled. The U.S. is in Vietnam. And an album like Tapestry felt like just so comforting. And all of a sudden, like everyone's playing it. Everyone's singing. It, everyone knows every. Word to every one of those songs. I
1: mean, is it is it really nice if you're out on the road, (laughs) feeling lonely and so cold? It definitely is. It definitely (laughs) is.
0: Um, And it was also one of the early albums in what would be known as like the singer songwriter movement. So Mm -hmm. she, her, and James Taylor and Joni Mitchell are like of those early people that are like, yeah, I write the songs and I sing them. That's you know what I'm saying. It's
1: very cool because we, I, you know that that it never occurred to me that that had to be a step yeah. forward
0: I like, know you me just neither. assume
1: like some people write some people sing some people write and sing yeah
0: yeah exactly cause like I feel like these people were so used to being like no 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 I'm just in the background you know cause also this totally reminds me of Coyote Ugly right. um <laughs>
1: <laughs> Does that the Moonlight? Moonlight? i told you at um, the top that we were going to be singing <laughs> i told you
0: which i tried so hard to convince casey to make that like our christmas movie <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> 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 we watched it one christmas and i was like we should watch this every christmas and he was like absolutely Stop not. It. i asked him to watch it every year now and he says no
1: Our (laughs) Christmas movie, Coyote Ugly. (laughs) You have to get like a bar tap at your house so
0: you can squirt him with water. I my god, I love that movie so much, especially because (laughs) the mean bitch bartender is Natasha (laughs) from Sex (laughs) in the City.
1: Well, she fell down the steps and ah, chipped her, too.
0: She did. She did. Poor Natasha. She
1: never did anything wrong. I no, be she really didn't. Clear. No, she didn't.
0: She was a wonderful wife. Yep. And she did not deserve any of that. She didn't deserve for Carrie to ruin her lunch and apologize to her <laughs> because she was right. She was like, You did this for you, not for me. Fuck yep.
1: you. <laughs> Natasha got caught in the Carrie big tornado.
0: She really did. Yeah. That tornado took a lot of lives. It really A lot did. of good lives. <laughs> Aiden, Um. (laughs) rest in peace aiden um okay um so but again like so this album just sourced to number one um but it was then like they're like okay carol we gotta go on the road we gotta tour and she's like oh my gosh i have two babies at home like what do you mean i can't tour and they're like girl, you have to tour. Like you have to go on stage and perform. Like you need to do this. Like this is your career. Tours are like where people, where artists make their money, right? Yeah, okay. exactly. Especially at this time. Um, and uh, she was like, okay. So when she could, she would take her kids with her on the road. Um, but then when it was school year, you know, they had to be home. And, like, and this is the thing that made me so crazy. When they were home, they stayed with a friend. I was like, their dad is also in California. Like I don't know. He's not
1: ready to babysit. He's not ready to babysit. (laughs) And
0: obviously like he has some, you know, mental health issues, some drug issues. So maybe it really just like was not a safe environment, but like it makes me so mad that like Carol has a career to get to. And like the father of her children, like cannot even just be there a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like it's really just a, shitty just a tiny tiny just bit. a little bit um, um, And that happens to women all over the country it so, really yeah. does i mean we're seeing it in this pandemic like yeah. women are exiting the workforce because they have no option right now right it's so shitty um so anyways um and it was just like really sad because i was watching one of her daughters and she was like yeah like you know and mama's on tour i would just sit there and i would listen to so far away and like cry <laughs> <laughs> and it made me realize that, like, I can't imagine being Carol and having to sing so far away and home again while I'm away from my kids. And that's all that's the only place she wants to be. Right, You her know, babies. she wants to be with her kids. Um, But thankfully, because James Taylor was releasing his music and gaining commercial success at the same time, they were playing together a lot and they are. Best friends. That's cute. I mean, when they talk about each other, it is. The sweetest thing in the world and people always assume that they must have been a couple at some point that they were in love that they were having an affair because people don't believe in platonic relationships they don't believe that it exists and she was like no we're just best friends and collaborators and like that's fucking it like I don't know what else to tell you like they're just so sweet Um, and while her friendship with James would last a lifetime her track record with husband's was not as good. Um in 1976, she and her husband Charles Lakey split and by 1977, she was moving to a remote cabin in Idaho with her third husband Rick Evers and her two daughters. Listen. Very big. Pump the brakes, veer off the side of the road. <laughs> listen, this woman is not scared to move. No. That is so brave. It's so insane to me that like she didn't move for so long it was like oh, I'm just gonna have a quiet house in the suburbs and it's like California Idaho like she just yeah I think she I think honestly when she got over her like stage fright it also like opened up a lot of doors she was like okay like I can also like say fuck this and move on and like you know it's just crazy
1: yeah it is a, I don't know maybe touring had something to do with it like yeah, she totally wasn't worried could. about you know she'd been to so many cities that maybe she wasn't worried about where she was gonna live anymore yeah I don't know it's a very it's a very cool and confident thing oh, because totally don't is. most people I think most people end up dying in a house that's within 20 miles of where they were born it's something like 90 percent of people
0: well wow. Well, I'm going to be within like yeah. a half a mile of where this I am. This is born.
1: literally the first time in my life I di- have not lived in Baltimore <laughs> City. And I am nine miles outside of Baltimore <laughs> City. <laughs> I just, like, it's insane. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's wild. Yeah,
1: because people just, like, you have roots somewhere. You do. Your family's there. Your job's there. Normal's there. You know where the Walmart is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: She's getting, like... You know which gas station is weird and which one is fine. I'll be like, um... um well, I don't want to go to
1: the Towson Walmart because I know I have to go upstairs, <laughs> so I'm going to go to the White Marsh Walmart.
0: And that darn escalator they built for the... <laughs> the, the carts doesn't work. Um, I... I mean, I <laughs> the, the most like I think I've said, told this story in the podcast before, but the most vivid memory I have of the Walmart and Dowson was when I used to get my birth control prescription there. Yes, you told this story. Oh, enough. my gosh. And just me screaming at the pharmacist because he wouldn't give it to me after it was stolen when I was <laughs> robbed at gunpoint and carjacked ridiculous i mean i mean attempted carjacked my battery was dead but but also
1: what type (laughs) of walmart decides we're gonna put all the clothes and food downstairs and everything you actually need upstairs lunacy
0: absolute (laughs) lunacy the only reason people people go to walmart is for the
1: electronics the
0: books and the home decor i know it's like the the toys it's like the giant picture frames and the (laughs) cans of paint and the tvs let's just put that upstairs and you're like, but
1: that's what I need. That's,
0: okay. I, mm, okay. If you have a Walmart with an escalator, please
1: tell a cart,
0: a cart, <laughs> a cart escalator. escalator.
1: You, we have to literally put our <sighs> cart on a machine to get it up and down. It's ridiculous. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I feel like if Target and the same exact shopping center can do it in one level, so could Walmart have. <laughs> um great. <laughs> the same shopping center. Um so you anyways, know what? I'm like, You'd Shout out that you would know <laughs> okay okay so she's in idaho
1: that was a very this, maryland
0: heavy joke this cabin <laughs> idaho is out in the middle of nowhere i've always pictured carol king in a cabin honestly uh, yeah it's because she's meant to be there okay cool, cool cool Cool. they have this like little cabin with like goats no running water no electricity no telephone no mail delivery they're just like homeschooling the kids like Everything is pretty fucking wild here. They're okay. going to the bathroom in an outhouse and Carol is loving it. She's like, I just want to be in the Rocky mountains all the time. This is amazing. But, and and, and also this inspired her to become like an avid environmentalist. Mm. She Once she got into the Rocky mountains, which we'll talk about more in a little bit, she was like, this is the most beautiful place I've ever seen in my entire life. Like we have to preserve it. Um, but also, she's a professional musician, so she had to go back to L.A. at some point. So, like, they spend, like, I think, like, around a year or so out there. Go back and um, forth. So they go back to L.A., and Carol was like, hmm, all of these red flags that Rick was giving me are a lot more blatant here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she was like, huh, when we're around other people, he is really possessive and controlling because, like, out there... There's nothing to control. They only have each other. They only have each other and the kids and the goats. So she's like, wow, that's kind of weird. And then she's like, oh no, you're a junkie because he's like, give me money. I need to go buy drugs. And he's like, all high all the time. And then in 1978, he started to become physically abusive. Well, girls got a type, huh? Unbelievable. So she said that one night, out of the blue, he just got super high and punched her in the face. Nope.
1: Can't do that with kids in the house. Can't do that ever. I know, but- ever.
0: And this became a horrible pattern. Rick would get drunk or high and he would hit Carol until she was on the floor. And then of course, once she's on the floor, he would like, you know, crouch down and cry and beg her forgiveness. And she said about the experience, I had always been judgmental about women who stayed in abusive relationships. I'd always thought if I found myself with a man like that, The first time he struck me, I'd be out of there in a New York minute. I would never stay with an abuser until I did, which I think is one of the most common things that people just don't fucking get about being in an abusive relationship is like how hard it is to leave and how scary it is to leave because you'd be like, yeah, like that happens and then you go, but it's just not that simple. And... I feel like women who experience that get judged so harshly. And I, I love that quote because she's like, yeah, I totally judged those women before. And then it was me. And then I was the, you know, person who didn't know what to do in the relationship and was staying. And I didn't know why, like it's horrifying. And a lot of times
1: the, the, when you're in an abusive relationship, the highs are so good, but the lows are so bad. It's like the opposite peak of the wavelength is like, then they're so good to you for so long yeah. because they feel guilty or whatever. And you yeah. just like stick it out. You're like, Oh, maybe they've really changed this time. Yeah. And usually you really love the person. Yeah. So no, you hope exactly. that they have.
0: Oh, it was just an absolutely miserable time in her life. Um, And it's just like, it sucks. Cause like she's getting beat up by this guy and then giving him her hard earned money to go buy drugs and then hit her some more. Like, it it was just a horrible cycle. And her daughter describes that, like, she just, like, always hated him. She was like, you know, he never hit me. He never hit any of the kids or whatever. He was like – she was like, but I just had a horrible feeling about him. He was, She was like, he would just snap and get really angry. And, like, I would just go, like, hide under my bed. And she was like, it just wasn't like my mom to, like, be this person in the relationship. She was like, it was just so – Weird. And then one day, thankfully, Carol was like, All right, I'm fucking done. She took the kids, went to the airport, and they literally ran off to Hawaii, like as fast as they could. Well, thank
1: God she has the means for
0: that. I know that's think of the all thing. the people who don't. Because I was like <laughs> she has so much money and like thankfully she does and she was able to get away. But like that's another like the economic barrier to women leaving abusive households is so real.
1: Yeah. What do you do if you live in a trailer park and your best friend's next door? So yeah. you have to go fifty feet to get away? Yeah. That's not far enough.
0: No. And like what it yeah, it's just it's such a complicated situation. And thankfully, like at this point, Carol had a way out. So she took it. She's in Hawaii. They land, they get a hotel room, they get in, and there's a message waiting for Carol. Rick had died of an overdose of cocaine and he was dead. Oh my God. I know.
1: Okay. So I know this is a common thing. I do have a friend um, who got a divorce after years of a rough relationship. Yeah. And shortly after her divorce, um, there was an overdose and people blamed her his family blamed her for a long time, but it's like, I'm protecting me. I'm protecting my kids. Yeah. Like I understand that people who have addiction problems need help. I agree. Mm-hmm. But so do people who are in that relationship who are being um, abused or even just neglected Yeah, because you, you have a drug problem. You can't expect everyone to just stick around. I mean, your best friend has as well. Yeah. You know, oh my gosh. To leave believe an addictive relationship.
0: Well, and it's weird because my best friend and I had it kind of the opposite Mm. where it's like my fiance and I like we weren't dating. We were just friends at the time of his addiction. And then later in life, we were able to get together, thankfully. But like with her, it was this guy that she'd been with for years. And then all of a sudden, like, bam, this happens. And it's like. You know that that was a worry of like, are people going to judge me? Like what's going to happen to him? But it's also like, I have to take care of me. And like people did the same thing to Ariana Grande. When Mac Miller died, they're like, Mm -hmm. well, you know, this is your fault. Like you should feel terrible. And she's like, I do feel terrible. And you know what? It ruined my engagement to Pete Davidson. Like I feel really, really sad about this. Wasn't good for me. Like I didn't want this to happen, but also like I also, I have to move on. I can't be in this relationship. That's actively harming me. Right. like, it's just, it really sucks. And then I just can't even imagine then like being like, I just escaped it. And now this is going to like haunt me forever. Like being in Carol's position and being like, and her daughter was like, you know, I feel really bad. Cause like I was a you know kid at the time and I heard the news and I just went good, Ugh. you know, and being a kid and having to like be like my stepdad died. Like I'm so fucking glad, like fuck that guy. Yeah. Like, but then being like, no, he like didn't deserve to die. And like just this whole messed up cycle. And like, it's so, it's so sad.
1: I would love to read somebody who like has done knowledgeable research on how often women are blamed for like a male tragedy post a breakup. I would love to read that study. So anybody, if you have that, if you have a JSTOR account, (laughs) let me know.
0: God, I wish I had access to J story. I really, again. actually, still do. Yeah,
1: I, <laughs> just I want you to tell me the key search words. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, where do I put my commas and asterisks? Um, in the search bar. Um, but abuse, asterisk? <laughs> <laughs> comma drug, comma drug, comma marital parenthesis drug. I think <laughs> right. right, right, right. Um, <laughs> Domestic. I don't. I, it's just. It's one of those things that would be fascinating because it's like, why is this all on me? Just because I was like the female in his life, which then like creates the cycle again of like one of the reasons I think some women stay in relationships like that. Like there's a whole myriad of reasons, but sometimes it's like, well, no, I can change him and I can be the person to save him. And it's like at some point you can't like when Casey and I first got together, I was like. You know he's clean for a couple of years, but I told him I was like, you know, I don't want us to get into this, and like you to stay clean for for me and for this relationship. I was like, I want you to stay clean for for you, and because you want to and you need to for your own sanity, even if we break up. Even well, that's, if this the healthy, work out.
1: that's the healthy. That's the healthy. Yeah, I yeah. It. <laughs> thank you for because, thank you for that.
0: <laughs> um, you're welcome. I'm very evolved as a person, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like I. Because that's, that was one of my big fears was that it wasn't going to be for himself and that it wasn't going to be permanent. And then because if it broke if up, it would be a bad yeah, situation for him. Yeah, because if you are... Fiance Knowles <laughs> Fiance Knowles He's so wonderful. And I was like, you know, because if he was doing it and like part of it too, he was like, well, yeah, part of it was I wanted to do it for my family, but also like I am part of my family. So like yeah. I'm doing it for myself and all of us. Like you know, whatever. I would, just, this I, would is. Just, I would love to see
1: the female side of this where like a woman has a drug problem and the man breaks up with them and then it's like, oh, well, she wasn't someone you wanted to take home to mom. Yeah. It's like, like, come gosh. on. You're right. I feel like there's a
0: total double standard with that. Brr. There totally is. Just
1: like mm. everything else. Just like Bam. everything else. Mm. All right. Mm. Sorry. Carol right. King. You're Carol in Hawaii. I, I, I. She's
0: in Hawaii. Hawaii. um, And this horrible thing happens and she's like, okay um well you know what fuck everything i'm actually going back to idaho wow she goes back in time i know because she was like you know what a part of this was that i wasn't really in love with him i was in love with idaho mm-hmm. i was in love with this life we had that was off the grid and like in nature and in the rocky mountains and you know being just with my kids she was like i love we have to like walk in snow to get to like the general store. Like I fucking love that. You know, she's like, this is the lifestyle that I want to live.
1: They've got so many potatoes there.
0: So many potatoes and she absolutely loves them. I mean, she might as well be named Carol Algrotten. Seriously. Um, <laughs> Shout out to us if you're
1: in Idaho. I yeah. don't know if we have any Idaho listeners. Know. We do have listeners all over this country and in other countries. But I don't know about Idaho. <laughs> also, um, let one, me know and I will mail you some stickers. <laughs> if you are from, if you're Idaho from Idaho and you are listening... <laughs> Send me your address and I will mail you stickers. I'd also
0: like to say thank you because you got me out of going to class for a whole day one time because <laughs> our school was hosting a talent show for the very first time when mm-hmm. I was in like 11th grade. Yeah. And my friends and I like you got to like go and audition. And of course, audition time was during class. So we we're like, well, let's totally go and audition. And so we, <laughs> we made up this song and basically I started out and I I'd go, I Idaho. 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 <laughs> and then other people kept adding to it. Yeah, and then my friend go, corn. 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 Oh corn. My and God. then someone go tractor. Tractor. Overalls. Overalls. <laughs> and we did this for our audition as a joke and then got in <laughs> To We're the talent to show. At, well, in <laughs> the of talent course, show. we didn't do it. I was <laughs> like, Heather Farrow, are you a lunatic? I'm not doing this. Um, but you know what? It was a lovely day to be out of class and just sitting in the auditorium and doing that. Everyone it was in really Idaho was cringing. <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> Are like we have more than corn uh i didn't say potatoes okay you should be so <laughs> fucking great that was me who said potatoes <laughs> like two minutes ago well exactly because i feel like everybody says potatoes and we didn't so okay. you're welcome tractor corn we overall said corn, said corn. Uh-huh. um <laughs> okay carol king carol king carol so king carol king Idaho. she loves it there and she has just continuously fought through activism and being a part of some like really hefty legal battles to protect the ecosystem of the Rocky Mountains. Um, she says it ever. She's like, I really came into my own as an older, sexy Jewish Earth Mother. <laughs> yes, Preach! oh my gosh, I am Carol King. I um, want an older, sexy Earth oh, Mother. I love it. So <laughs> she, uh, she just like came into her own, and she was like, oh. I'm not searching for a man. I'm searching for, like, this. Like, Mm. this is fucking it. Um, But she did get another man through this. So in 1982, she married a rustic Idaho man named Rick Mm Sorensen. Together, they owned and operated a large ranch in Idaho, which Carol absolutely loved. But she was also still a working singer, writer, singer, and artist. Wait, she was a what? As I don't know what I said. (laughs) And as much as she loved being in, you know, this rural setting, she also needed to go back to New York and California sometimes, which Rick 2.0 didn't like. And he wanted her to always be home with him. And as soon as it started to be like that, she was like, look, I'm not doing this again. I did this with my last husband and it didn't work out well. And they divorced in 1989. Okay, what's the husband count? 5, 4. 4. This okay. is husband number 4 and this is the last one. This so there's the no la- more there's after this. No more husbands after this. But Okay. So that's it for husbands. <laughs> that's good to know. That's good to I know. Mean, poor Carol. I, because when I was researching I was like I didn't know she had this many husbands. Well, at that you
1: know Ginger Rogers was like that. That's true. Remember we were like, "Whoa, another one?" And I think just it's it's okay. It's totally it's okay. okay. If you want to get married and you want the tax benefits and you just want it to not be permanent or whatever, like we cannot keep treating divorce like it's taboo. I know. Like it
0: happens. It's a totally normal thing. And you're
1: allowed to get married as many times as you want because I'm fine with you falling deeply in love and then saying this wasn't it. Exactly.
0: Good for you for being a Good dreamer. Good for you, Carol. <laughs> um,
1: Are you- now- <laughs> Good for you, honey.
0: <laughs> now, Allie. You were born in the 1986 year. Is that correct? That
1: is correct. What did I do? Do you remember a
0: film called The Care Bears Movie? (laughs) We (laughs) care. I do. I do. Okay, wait. Go ahead. ahead, ahead. Well, she wrote the theme song for that movie. No! Okay.
1: I want you to understand that The Care Bears (laughs) movies from the 80s are so, so good. There are two (laughs) <laughs> there's two or three of them. My favorite one is the one where there's a little boy who goes to a carnival and gets a magic book and then he does bad magic and he turns into a magician and it's awful and the Care Bears have to like Care Bear stare him back. And then he they are like, you care. And he's like, I care. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: cannot. If you have seen this movie. We'll send you a sticker. (laughs) I'll send you a sticker. (laughs) I I I care. Again, Allie and I've known each other so long that, like, you liking Care Bears was, like, a part of my childhood. I was like, yeah, that's, like, Allie's thing. (laughs) I loved Care Bears. I cannot. Oh, my God. Even still
1: today, anytime I tell a stupid story at, like, a breakfast, my older brother goes, I care. (laughs) I care.
0: I care. Now, here's the question, though. <laughs> Would you put the Care Bears movie above or below the Alvin and the Chipmunks balloon advent- air- hot air balloon adventure? Below. Really? Oh, wait, hey. yes, you're right. Below. Alvin and the Chipmunks is the superior movie. <laughs> it's it's a great so movie. good. Hey, don't you know that we're up to see the world? <laughs> I um, love and it. let's be clear that song with the, <laughs> <laughs> the Chipettes and the snakes is very inappropriate.
1: Yeah. Get lucky. Ooh, <laughs> lucky.
0: It's unbelievable. (laughs) Guys, that movie... That movie. That has so to be a round table. So good. It has to be a round table. I love it so that's much. That's great. The bad guys smoke. That's how <laughs> old the movie is that you can smoke in children's movies. no? Well, I know. I w- <laughs> Again this past Sunday we were watching Stella's favorite movie 101 Dalmatians. <laughs> my dog. Um, and they had a warning because Roger's smoking a pipe and Corella's smoking all through it. I was like I don't even notice. Listen. Okay. Cause when
1: the girls are rock and
0: roll <laughs>
1: that's the Girls of Rocket roll, and roll whoa, 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 love. I love that movie.
0: Okay. Oh, okay.
1: I need to post a picture of that movie Ooh. so that everybody can watch it because it's so good.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> she also wrote the song Now and Forever. Which is used for the opening credits of A League of Their Own. (laughs) Um, And throughout the 80s and 90s, she just keeps writing songs and appearing in some, like, off-Broadway plays. She loves to act. Then in the year of our Lord, 2000, she was asked to re-record a song from Tapestry, Where You Lead, for a new TV show coming to the WB, Gilmore Girls. Uh, <laughs> woo. So, Carol had actually not played that song in a really long time because the original song was kind of bashed by the women's movement. Because the whole thing was like, again, Where we lead, lead, I will follow. follow. Like, <laughs> I'll do anything <laughs> that you want me to, mister. Um, and people were like, mm, that's not the best message.
1: But I mean, if you really want to get a guy in bed, that's the one phrase
0: <laughs> that you need to say. I'll do anything. <laughs> I'll do anything for you. Um, uh, so, you know, it was just like one of those songs. She was like, mm, I wish I hadn't wrote it like that. You know, exactly. So with this new opportunity, she changed up the song a little bit to reflect a mother-daughter relationship instead. And she re-recorded the song with her daughter, louise and it became the long-standing theme song to gilmore girls which fans were kind of bummed to not hear it immediately in the reboot a year in the life but the sequence of the revival is in fact inspired by another one of her songs so winter spring summer and fall um from you've got a friend and this song does appear in the final episode like you know you hear the last four words and then the song plays um, she also appeared in the show itself as a townie. She played Sophie, the slightly grouchy music shop owner. Um, and she played the character in the original run and the revival. In 2007, she joined Mary J. Blige and Fergie for a concert tour in Japan. Perfect. That's a perfect it's idea. It's just the most bananas thing that I have ever witnessed and yes it is on youtube (laughs) what a weird combo hey i love fergie i don't understand but you know what i do love is that mary j blige is in the umbrella academy yeah oh yes and she's so fucking good she is good i love her character and i love her in it and it's so great she's Um, great and also fergalicious definition definition, make make them boys boys go crazy isn't it logo i I think it's crazy did you translate in your head or did i um i I don't know because i'm really glad i said at
1: the beginning we were gonna sing tonight it was
0: my ringtone for a little bit (laughs) okay i might be right i mean you might be right (laughs) um we'll 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 play it in the cock when the cocktail break Mm -hmm. um and in 2010, she and James Taylor went on a very lovely tour called the Troubadour Tour, which is an homage to the Troubadour Theater, where they first played their, like, first show together. So fun. Um, which my mom has the CD from, and she listens to it all the time. Um, this tour which was, was a huge global success, which Carol, um, it had her playing to, like, I mean, some of the largest crowd she'd ever played to in her entire <laughs> life, even when she was like at her peak. <laughs> um, in 2012, she wrote an autobiography without a ghostwriter. She likes to point out and it's Good all for her. I know it's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> Writing a book. Uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, It's all about her life and her career. It's called A Natural Woman, a memoir. And in that same year, she received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame and became the first woman to receive the Gershwin Prize, which is awarded by the Library of Congress. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really big deal. She's was the first know. woman to receive it That's in 2012, incredible. which is crazy. That's so cool. Yeah. So That's to a musician, no less. I know. Wow. I know. So and then in 2014, beautiful, the Carol King musical premiered on Broadway with Jesse Um. Muller now from waitress fame she's so good Mm -hmm. in that play she played the lead role and it's a jukebox musical which takes you through carol's life and the musical did very well running through 2019 and winning some tony awards um she's in the songwriting hall of fame the rock and roll hall of fame and in 2015 she received a kennedy center award for her contribution to music um and right now she still sings and writes but And she still, you know, fights for the Northern Rockies Ecosystem Protection Act. She, like, is always up at Congress being like, you need to protect this fucking wildlife. (laughs) She's very active in that. And really, she just hangs out in Idaho and with her grandkids and her children. And I think she is finally just, like, at peace like that's so cool doing her fucking thing good and for good for her. And that's the story so far of Carol King. Cause we'll she's still
1: alive. We'll do an update later we'll on. We'll do then. an update if she dies. Anybody who's still alive, we'll do an update. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow. I, thank you, Elsie Marshall. Thank you. <laughs> LC, what a thank good you. recommendation. I don't think we would have gotten to Carol King for another five years. Probably not.
0: I mean, like, I love Carol King. I re- like, I really do listen to her all a the time. We don't do a ton of musicians. We don't do a ton of musicians. And I just... I didn't know like I always loved her but I didn't know so much about her yeah (laughs) I was like she wrote that song and that song she literally wrote like half the songs that are on my wedding playlist (laughs) (laughs) if we ever get to that if we ever get to
1: that wedding right um that's so incredible I really liked her life that was a good story it was a fast-paced fun 70s woman type of story it really was yeah and
0: like I just love that the rest of her life was just like, she's like, you know what? All that drama, I'm fucking over it. I'm going to focus on myself. Hey, that's the confidence of an older woman. (sighs) Is it not? The confidence of an older Jewish earth mother.
1: I am so jealous of that and I'm waiting
0: for it. I'm waiting. I
1: definitely went up a notch when I hit my 30s. (laughs) But I want to be, I want to be 50
0: Mm. to hit
1: my full stride in confidence. Oh my God.
0: You hit your full confidence, your stride, your sexual peak, apparently, for women. Listen, I'm waiting on it. I can't wait. I'm jealous of
1: you, you 50-plus
0: ladies. You're really killing it. No period. All right. Let's go get. We're going to get a drink. We're going to listen to Fergalicious, and we'll be right back. Uh, Bye.
1: so we had so many nice comments this week about our 100th episode (laughs) thank you vero for your comment on facebook thank you miss krista for your comment thank you hashtag history for talking to us thank you Mm. janice on the move for everything you've said like Uh. it's so nice of you to like be involved with us and to be part of this
0: crew um, it just feels so nice to be heard because like, you know, we put this thing out and yeah, we don't we do a lot of work you know, and like, we know that some people listen, but then like when people like really respond, it feels like so nice and like, it's just great. And uh, we've had a couple new reviews in the past couple of weeks, which has been so great. And yeah, we
1: got invited to a windmill in Spain yes.
0: <laughs> for when COVID's finally oh, over. And, uh, uh Murfetti, I think that's, um, your username. Yeah. She left a really incredible review this week. That Aww. was like, you guys are getting me through Sober October, which Aww. Sober October is hard. Sober anything is difficult, even if you're, you know, 20 years into sobriety or two days, you yeah. know, just like cheers to or you. Even just a break, and even break if it's just month. a break, you know, just congratulations. And I'm glad we can be here for you. And we're also here With a glass of water or a glass of wine on the other side, waiting for you.
1: And so many of you said, uh, "Thank you for doing this for us." And that's really, really kind. (laughs) Feels so nice because I honestly, I kind of do it for me. I know, (laughs) but but it it feels nice that other people care.
0: Allie and I definitely started this as a way to just like drink together, drink together, pretend
1: that we're working. okay let's make up a way to drink okay exactly <laughs> my god okay what do you know about the um, oh I what need you're to, drinking i need to
0: know what i'm drinking first Allie.
1: this drink <laughs> i have not tried so here's the deal okay it's called for the love of girl oh i love that and uh every american girl doll is nine years old so i asked my daughter <laughs> What would taste good in a cocktail? (laughs) So she made this entire recipe and requested a bendy straw. (laughs) So it's very important that this is what's in the cocktail. So it's in a uh, cocktail glass uh, with ice. And you put in an ounce and a half of watermelon liqueur, ounce and a half of vanilla vodka, and then you top it with your favorite clear soda.
0: So it could be Sierra Mist, Sprite, ginger ale, or 7-Up. Because like an American Girl though you can customize it. Customize
1: it. it. <laughs> Cheers. <Bendie gasps> straw.
0: Oh, it tastes like a Jolly Rancher, which <laughs> means you definitely know that a child invented this. A <laughs> child invented this. It tastes-, it tastes exactly like a Jolly Rancher. It tastes like a red
1: Jolly Rancher. Um. I can't believe that. I just was like, what do you, you're nine, they're nine. What do you want? This what do it. you want?
0: This is what the this is what the kids want. <laughs> you wanna know what the kids want? Vanilla Watermelon liqueur. She
1: goes Something watermelon and vanilla vodka. She was uh, was very sincere about the vanilla vodka. Which is so
0: funny because watermelon was my least favorite flavor as a child.
1: It's funny. I think she just thinks like kids wanted something fruity. Mm. Like it's got to be fruity and American-ish, which is what watermelon is. Anyway. What do you know about American Girl Dolls?
0: Okay, so.
1: You had a (laughs) curriculum about this in school. I actually did
0: have a curriculum about this. So. I personally was a magic attic doll girl. Because <laughs> um, our parents were poor. Because our parents were poor and we couldn't afford American girl dolls. So we had magic attic dolls, which were super fucking dope. Um, <laughs> any other American <laughs> magic attic doll girls, you know, hit me up. Or my but journey
1: my journey doll. When- my generation <laughs> is what it is now. My generation.
0: So, um, but yeah, when I was in fourth grade, my teacher did a really cool thing where she basically took um, like a whole month and read all the books to us. And she took us through each American girl's story and gave us history lessons about it. And that was for the OG five. Yeah. And that for was the OG five. And she, cause I was a little sad that Josefina wasn't part of yeah, it. She wasn't there yet. Um, She wasn't there yet, but I was, and I didn't really know much about them. Like I heard about them and then getting into it and like reading the stories and the, it was really Fucking interesting, it and is. then the big part about the end of this month of American girls was that she did a whole week because there are there were five original girls and five day. days and you know that you started off the first day was Felicity and you had a big party, and we had a party every single day that week. And you literally got to go outside, dress up as like from that time period and you got to play the games, eat the food, listen to the music that they would have listened to and whatever. Like it was so cool. And I remember specifically for the for the Addy Day, we had shepherd's pie and I was like, that looks disgusting. (laughs) And it was delicious. Um, So it was just an incredibly immersive experience that I think was such a cool way to teach about history because that's what the American girls dolls are to me. They are history. Yeah. <laughs> Told against the perspective of nine year old girls, which is the best. and so, to involve both boys and girls in it yeah. is like so cool. It's really cool. Cause then like the boys, of course, like when they hear it's American girls, they're like, I don't want to do it. And then like, they, they were get like, so into it. They're like, wow, you know, I just didn't know that about that time in history. And they're like, it really moved me when, you know, Felicity <laughs> was super brave like that. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, exactly. Like,
1: yeah, yeah. It's okay why to have f- a female heroine. Yeah. It's
0: super cool to have a female heroine. So that's like my experience. And with the American girl, I was like, I remember also like my favorite was Samantha and my best friend in fourth grade. Um, her favorite was um, Molly. And so like, she had an American girl, like, Tea, like birthday party and we got to like dress up and it was really cute. So it was a really great picture of me and Hannah Schreiber as Samantha and Molly. Oh, that's
1: very so, cute. So shout out
0: to Hannah Schreiber.
1: <laughs> I think, so American Girl Dolls have just been a part of our culture now for yeah. 35 years in America and it's just... So important. So a couple of things. This story is going to sound very scatterbrained because I, I truly do understand that there is nothing like getting that red box delivered to your front door with your doll in it. So like, I didn't want to miss your girl. If I did not go deep enough into your girl, please send me something, a comment, (laughs) a message, and I will post about her on social media. I will post a whole thing about your girl. Just tell me who, um, if you're not from the United States, look into these dolls they're very cool and or tell us what dolls you have like history dolls in your country I would love to hear about the types of dolls that are very specific to your culture and three uh, I found all these resources from the American Girl webpage obviously and then there's a huge like fandom website and obviously I listened to a lot of interviews with the founder and if you want to just listen to some of the books there's a lot of podcasts where people read the books
0: out loud for you really? like American that Girl. sounds very relaxing it is. American Girl has
1: like their own podcast and it's like I Felicity Day that. and yeah you can listen to any of it wait
0: well, yeah, and that's another funny thing that I know about them is that like it's grown into a literal global empire where now they have like American Girl doll stores and oh, like no. there's a whole Bob's Burgers episode where they kind of <laughs> make fun of it and like Conan O'Brien went and like it's a very intense experience it is
1: it's very cool. All right. Are you ready? I'm so ready. So there's a woman named Pleasant Roland, and she was born in 1944 19- real
0: name. Yeah. <laughs> Pleasant Roland. I love
1: that. I do too. And she was born in 1941 in the suburbs of Chicago. She's the oldest sibling. There's three girls and a boy. Pleasant went to Wells college in New York and graduated in 1962 to embark on a variety of career paths. She started as a school teacher for four years. That's what her degree was in. Then she was like, "eh," and she left to be a news reporter for ABC for four years. And then, um, Pleasant went away from those companies to be a textbook writer, Hmm. which is a private industry that a lot of teachers go into. She became a, involved in publishing children's textbooks and a children's magazine in the 1970s. She even developed a comprehensive language program called Beginning to Read, Write, and Listen for Super Kids, and it was like a reading program. Mm. She was very successful at curriculum writing and textbook writing and had $1.2 million in royalties Oh my God. sitting around. But something changed for Pleasant in the 1980s. She, at 40 years old with her husband, took a trip to Colonial Williamsburg. Ah, oh, I'm going there next week. I'm going there in a couple <laughs> well, of weeks. Really? Yeah. In November. That's where we're going for my birthday. Oh, I love that.
0: Yeah. Um, I'll leave a note for you somewhere in a tree. Ooh,
1: I'll find <laughs> it. Geo, <laughs> p- leave a pin. Ooh. Wherever you put it, send me the okay. pin and then I'll okay. find it. Okay. <laughs> so... If you have not been to Colonial Williamsburg, it is beautiful. It's one of the treasures of living on the East Coast.
0: An absolute treasure. To have
1: the beauty of like actual 250-year-old American
0: history. Just the fact that you can be in Williamsburg, Virginia and then be in Philadelphia in a couple of hours is insane. It's
1: incredible and it's a lot, a lot of fun.
0: It's so much fun.
1: So she's there and she's like, wow this is beautiful. I wish I could get in touch with this history. I wish I could get kids in touch with Mm. this history. So she buys a postcard at one of the stores in Williamsburg, whips out her green ink pen, which is a weird, weird thing. She said (laughs) that she wrote this postcard in green ink and said, I've been down in Williamsburg this week and had an idea. What do you think of it? A series of dolls about nine-year-old girls growing up at different times in history. There would be six books with each, and it would reflect the important moments of girlhood and how it's changed and stayed the same over the years. There would be a doll with each that has historic clothes and accessories so girls could play out the stories, and there might even be matching clothes for the girls.
0: Ah, She had it all. She really just. In one postcard, she had That's it all. unbelievable. I mean, like, almost nothing has changed from that. Oh. No.
1: <laughs> so she. I'm going to take it out. Okay. <laughs> These
0: straws are crazy.
1: I think I'm going to take my straw out. It's getting hard. <laughs> this postcard was sent to her dear friend, Valerie. Oh, wait. For... Who requested this? Oh, Emily Hill. Emily, of course. Oh, of course. Emily Hill. What a hero. <laughs> Oh, long time Patreon. She sent us a list of requests and we're finally getting to them. I know. (laughs) It's taken us two full years, but we're here. Okay. This postcard was sent to Valerie Tripp. She is now a huge part of the American Girl Company. She authored over 30 of the American <gasps> Girl books, Whoa. the f- historical fiction novels. But Valerie Tripp ocean- openly says, it's a good thing Pleasant didn't listen to me because I told her it wouldn't work. <laughs> She's like, there's not a market for this. Nobody wants that. So then, Girls hate dolls. Girls hate dolls and especially being a part of history. It's <laughs> like <laughs> Valerie, you're a very cool person. I know that's you were just trying to give good advice to your friend. But it was bad advice. So she goes to the cabin in the woods with her husband. And she sits for the whole week and writes out her vision. She says, I've done a lot of writing in my life, but I've never written this easily before. It flowed from me quickly. I knew it would work. Because I knew when I was a girl, I would have wanted to buy one of these dolls. And I knew as an aunt, I wanted to give one of these dolls. So I followed my instincts. I love that. She doesn't have any kids right now. Mm -mm. She never has any kids that I know of. I,
0: as an aunt, as a professional aunt.
1: You are a professional
0: aunt. I fucking love that.
1: She's like, I knew I would want to give this as a gift.
0: She's great. throwing my pen. It's
1: okay. That's what we're here for, (laughs) to throw pens. So people met her with disbelief and just like total, they're patronizing to her. They're like, how are you going to make them? You've never produced a toy in your life. Do you even have a fax machine to like <laughs> send information back
0: and forth? <laughs> Do you Xerox? <laughs> Do you even have a beeper? Do you know what that is? Um, It was actually crazy. I recently ran into someone who uh, – Something beeped on their waist and they checked it. And I was like, is that a beeper? And Were he was they like, a doctor? He was like, no, it's uh, my insulin. It oh! like automatically injects in my body. And I was like, uh, I've known you for quite a while. Didn't know that about you. Okay, um, there that is. There that is. Okay, didn't know that about you. Call me back. <laughs> That's so interesting. Um, But beat me, page me if you want to reach me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, all these disbelieving people without fax machines (laughs) said, okay, listen, if you're going to do this, send out 100,000 catalogs. Because let's remember, American Girl is a catalog-based company. You couldn't buy them in stores. Like
0: Mary Kay. Right. Okay.
1: And they're like, 100,000, that'll do it. Uh, But her and her husband are financing the entire thing (sighs) with her textbook royalties. And she says, no. No. If we're going to do it, we're going to do it. I'm going to send out 500,000 catalogs. (gasps) Double down. Double Double down, down, baby. Right from the beginning. That's like quadruple down. (laughs) (laughs) Right from the beginning, she says, we had to be a doll company, a toy company, because of all the accessories, Mm -hmm. a clothing company, Mm -hmm. a publishing company, Mm -hmm. and a direct mail delivery company all at once with no experience. Oh, my God. So in 1986, the Pleasant Company was founded, and Kirsten Larson, Samantha Parkington, and Molly McIntyre were born. They had white bodies, white plush bodies, which are the really valuable, one, valuable ones because they're the old ones, um, and they shared a face mold, which is called the classic mold, but they had different eye and hair colors. Let's meet these three girls. Hey. I'd love to. Okay. Kirsten Larson. <laughs> Salutations. <Ooh. laughs> Hi, my dear. <laughs> Kirsten Larson's ninth birthday passed without anybody celebrating it because her family was immigrating to the U.S. from Sweden. <sighs> Kirsten hated school at first because it was hard for her to fit in because she didn't speak English. She was living in Montana during the (gasps) the pioneer times in the original publication of her book. She was the only one drawn in a portrait with her family because that was the style of the day. Everybody else has like individual frames in the front. She was released with bangs. Although bangs were not appropriate hairstyle for that time. They only had money for one type of wig and all the girls had bangs. (laughs)
0: I didn't realize that's kirsten at. they all had bangs at first uh, also kirsten day was the best because our one of the teachers at open bible jill greenley had swedish ancestry oh. so she took kirsten very seriously <laughs> and so she was like we're gonna do a swedish christmas <laughs> and so she would come in with candles lit atop her head and she would bring us krispy kreme donuts that is so fun. it was the best. I was like, I want to be Swedish. Krispy Kreme donuts and hot chocolate in the middle of July. I love this.
1: Kirsten Day is awesome. Kirsten Day is the best.
0: (laughs) However, what I think is the best is Samantha Parkinson. (sighs) She's so classy. She
1: is... Pretty much everyone's favorite doll.
0: She's a <laughs> rich bitch everybody wanted to be. It's exactly
1: right. Um, she was the turn of century woman and Valerie Tripp says she was the easiest to write because <laughs> we knew we had to write her story first because that was when women began to get prominence in the yeah. early 1900s. Her series started in 1904. Samantha was living in the Victorian era because her parents had died, both of them, in a boating accident. So she was what? living with her rich, stuffy
0: grandmother. Samantha Ugh. did not have parents, uh, and her cool aunt. I mean, she would come to visit. Cool uncle,
1: but well, I thought she had an aunt. He fiancéd a girl, and she was cool too. That's who I'm thinking. Yes, of. that is who you're thinking of. And he had a car,
0: <laughs> a motor, a motor car? car.
1: Samantha loved to climb trees and would always tear her tights doing it. Which back then you had to sew tights because you couldn't just buy new nylons. <laughs> But my favorite character in the Samantha stories was Nellie, which was her best friend who worked in a factory all day because child labor laws didn't exist. And the cool thing about Samantha is she always gave up everything she had to help Nellie. Her grandmother <laughs> paid for Nellie to go to school. And one day she got a doll for Christmas. And when she realized that Nellie got nothing, she gave her the porcelain doll that she had wanted so badly. Damn.
0: Samantha Sam classy is so
1: classy. As as fuck. As fuck. <laughs> Molly McIntyre mm. was the first World War II doll in the series. She's living the home front war, victory gardens, saving money for the troops. Her friends have family members who've gone away to war. She's a tap dancer, which means she's automatically a good person. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Speaking as a former tap dancer. <laughs> former? <laughs> 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 Are you kidding me? I've been tap dancing my whole life. I've never stopped. (laughs) Never once. Smooth criminal forever.
1: (laughs) (laughs) She's the only historic doll to have glasses, actually, and has Hmm. two pigtail braids. Now, there is a doll in the contemporary line that has glasses later on, but she's the only of the historic line. Back to Pleasant headquarters is in wisconsin and they're funding this she's funding this endeavor herself like we said with her textbook money it's 1.2 million between september and december 1986 she gets 1.7 million dollars worth of purchases so she's Ah. already made back the investment so she's got to move her small headquarters to a large one Everybody's saying the dolls are too expensive. Nobody's going to buy them. But it's not just a doll. It's a box. It's accessories. It's the, it books. It's six books. It's so much. And back then, they were $82. Today, they're $110. it has been 35 years. And it has not gone up in price that much. So I'm pretty excited about that (laughs) at the American girl headquarters. They also had to finance a library because they have to pay people to research these periods in time so that the clothing are right. And the newspapers are right. And the accessories are right. So they're paying a lot of people to make these dolls happen. So in 1988, they realized these dolls are so cool and everybody loves them. They've only been out for two years, but they're so well-loved that they need to make a doll hospital. So now they have a repair center where you send your doll in and they send her back to you in a gown with a little hospital (laughs) bracelet. And they also started the Dress Like Your Doll line, which she predicted on the postcard, where they make clothes that fit the actual girl.
0: That's crazy. I also didn't know this started so early. So early. I thought that was like a modern day thing. The little doll hospital. Because I love the little doll hair salon they have. Like, Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's so good. Now, I'm going to be referencing throughout this story a couple lines. The historic doll line is obviously the focus. There's mm-hmm. also the truly me where you can try to get a doll that looks exactly like you. There's a girl of the year line, which they're only available for one year. Mm. There's the best friend line, which are the friends of the girls in the story, people like <gasps> Nellie. Okay. And then there's the contemporary line, which is like people that are more like... Um, our, our era. Okay. Now, I'm not talking about Bitty Babies and all that jazz.
0: Fuck Bitty Babies. I've never even heard of that, and I'd,
1: don't I worry don't about care em. to know about don't it. Don't worry about frankly. Bitty
0: Babies. It sounds it, awful.
1: It is. So 1991, let's <laughs> bounce on in. Felicity Merriman. <laughs> brr, brr, brr,
0: brr, bring <gasps> Felicity.
1: This is when they started to make the plush doll body matched the skin tone instead of being white because colonial outfits had a low neckline so they didn't want it to look very like a stark difference
0: the hussies
1: exactly those (laughs) hussies from (laughs) colonial america her face was the classic face mold and she was aided in release by this senior publicist at williamsburg helped them make this doll correct she was the first doll without bangs she's parted in the middle and tied back more important than Anything is that she resembles all the women that we've done on this podcast this season. She is tired of being treated like a girl. She hates the girl things and she's tired of being constrained as a mm. woman. And Currently, she's retired, which I think is a huge mistake because Hamilton just came out. Hold on. She's retired? Well, you th- can't
0: get a Felicity? Not right now. You cannot purchase a Felicity right now. So, I'm s- <laughs> I'm sorry, but then who is going to teach these girls about the colonial era? Uh, is there a nude girl in town? There is not.
1: So, what they do, and what they originally started to do, because they didn't want too many historic dolls, is they would retire them and then add a new girl in the historic line. So... When they retired, Samantha, I blew my shit. I oh. was pissed. But they bring them back now periodically so you can purchase them again.
0: Mm. <sighs> it's like I, when Disney puts mm.
1: movies in a vault. <laughs> You know what I what forgot I mean? about the, the Disney, Disney vault. vault.
0: <laughs> the Disney vault that the um, Disney Plus just it's, <laughs> absolutely it <diarrhea'd> all over. <laughs> they gave um, us the lock key <laughs> code. <lock-key> code <laughs> we Plus. all get retina scans for <laughs> um, Disney Plus. Let me tell you something. I think that's just a little bit annoying to the integrity of the American Girl dolls it's that Ms. Pleasant <laughs> originally crafted and yeah. I'm a little upset hearing this information now because I think every girl should have access to a Felicity and an Addie and a Samantha. Uh, Felicity is
1: fabulous, and you should be able to get her. Uh, but I think she'll be out soon, just because of Hamilton. <sighs> They're going to okay. bring her out. They're going to bring her out. Bring her out. Bring her out. It's hard to yell with the barrel. <laughs> nineteen ninety-three. I'm going to round out the OG five. Okay. Okay. In nineteen ninety-three, Addie Walker is added. They had to add, for the first time, an additional face mold because they wanted it to reflect the different ethnic background of Addie. She's the first doll of color in the series, and she's considered one of the original five. She has textured brown hair and gold hoop earrings, being the first doll that was equipped with earrings. Mm. Addie was born into slavery in the South and was so hungry one time she had to eat worms. She watched her dad get beaten and (gasps) sold away, and then she and her mother escaped to the North in the night Addie struggled with Northern freedom and was fearful of white people in her community. And this is the first time a lot of little white girls were learning about slavery.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, all right. So this Addie's is another, incredible. <laughs> this is another personal story. So in the Addie book, like they had like the book books and then they had like the extended books that were like the long books mm-hmm. where they were like have pictures of the historical artifacts that they, Wait. the girls would have encountered. And, uh, one of the historical artifacts in the Addie book was a KKK uniform. Oh my God. And I remember seeing it as a child and just like not fucking getting it. And I was like, this is the scariest thing I've ever seen. And the fact that this little girl in this story would have had to see this is terrifying to me and that actually caused me to have dreams for the rest of my childhood that about the KKK I had dreams about I had nightmares that like I would go downstairs in my house and the KKK would be in my kitchen which I know. And then like, every time I tell You're this to someone, they're like, I've you are, I know. I know. Thing. Every time I tell this story, someone's like, you didn't have to worry about that. And I'm like, <laughs> I know, but I, you were a child. the picture scared me <laughs> <laughs> because it would have scared Addie. And like, but that's the thing. And like, we love, Addie. we love her. And I, I love that that brought that shit to my attention. Yeah. Like, this is what she had to deal with. Like girls like her. It's very, it's very cool. And just to keep track,
1: so far, we have an English learning immigrant, a girl with two dead parents, a girl who was a slave, a girl who's dealing with World War II, and a girl who's unhappy with her status in society. There we go. That's the OG five. 1996 is their 10 year anniversary. You know
0: what? Let's
1: get a website.
0: Aol dot com slash. American Girl doll. Exactly. And
1: they weren't selling anything on the website yet, but you didn't have to wait for your monthly calendar to go on and look at cute pictures, your monthly thing. So this is the first edition I remember as a kid because I was born into the OG five. I wasn't there with just the three. I mean, I was alive, but I didn't know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Josefina Montoya. Now she was the sixth doll and she got her own face mold as well the Josefina mold she is a Mexican girl living in Santa Fe when this area was not a part of our country yet which the only two other girls who lived in America in places that were not a part of the country were Felicity and Kaya Um, her mother passed away right before the books start and she's sad and alone and she collects things to remind her of her mother she's scared of snakes and lightning and guns and really dislikes goats same girl same She wants to be a healer like her grandmother, and it is made very clear in the books that Josefina speaks Spanish. Although the books are written in English, they include Spanish phrases, and she was the first and is currently the only Latinx doll in the historic line. When she was released, every single one of her books was not only released in English, but also in Spanish. (gasps) That's so cool. So that girls who spoke Spanish could read them as well. Here was the disclaimer in the front of every one of her books it's translated into English because I can't read Spanish. (laughs) As you read this book, you may come across certain words that are unfamiliar to you. Some are local expressions which the Spanish-speaking population used and still use today in New Mexico. Others are ancient uses that someone like Josefina and her family would have used in 1824. But think that. If In two centuries, someone writes a story about your life, it's likely that our language will be strange to a future reader. So that the little Spanish girls (laughs) reading are not like, I don't know that word. That's not a Spanish word. Very cute. So, So, 1998. They're just on a roll. And Pleasant wants to go in a different direction. She's got a lot to do in the education world. So, she sells the majority of her shares to Mattel. For $700 million, Mattel buys it. She's not uninvolved. She still has shares. But the first American Girl doll store opens in Chicago, Illinois. They're like, now we can sell them in stores. That was Pleasant's thing. And I want to be clear. It's been 12 years. And she went from having $1.2 million to $7 million. That's insane. So we can buy them in stores, but everything's a little more pink and a little more available with yeah. Mattel.
0: <laughs>
1: um, and the first Girl of the Year came out in 2001, which I'm going to touch on the Girl of the Years later. So let's get to Kit Kitridge.
0: I remember when you she came out. I did love a Kit. Love a
1: Kit. She's the Great Depression girl. Kit is the first historic character released by Mattel. Kit's from the 1930s. She's living in the Great Depression. She's struggling with hardship. She's the first character with freckles and short hair. Mm-hmm. She's got a real short bob. And Kit fancies herself an explorer and a writer, but's often stuck doing chores at home. <laughs> <laughs> but she has a really sweet attitude. Kit's also the last character that has the six-book sequence: the meet the character. The character learns a lesson. The character, surprise! Happy birthday, the character. (laughs) The character saves the day and changes for the character. She's the last one to get that sequence. After that, they kind of changed it. Okay. And as we said, Valerie Tripp wrote 30 of these books, and a lot of them are experiences from her life. She had three sisters like some of the characters. She used to type newspapers on her dad's typewriter like some of the characters. Because in 2002, they had to change the book line because of Kaya. And Kaya is a very important character in my house because this is the American Girl doll that my daughter has. Kaya marked a change for me. I took my daughters to an American Girl doll store just to look around. And my older daughter, I expected her to like Samantha. White girl, brown hair, Mm -hmm. looks like her. And she walked across the room, eyes locked, on a Native American doll with a horse and a teepee. And just stay, I mean, there was dolls with skateboards and dolls with microphones and like enamored, enamored with the Kaya doll and hasn't stopped talking about her for over a year. So then I just finally bought her one (laughs) because I was like, apparently you love this doll. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a really important thing that American Girl dolls did. Giving them stories made it more accessible to buy dolls with different skin tones, yeah. which is something our generation didn't do. Yeah. But new kids do that now. Yeah. They want to know the story of all these other girls. So she's Native American. She's in a Northwestern tribe. And um, it's kind of like pre-white settlers. And Kaya was the first doll made showing no teeth. Because it was taboo in her tribe to show your teeth. No way. So they did the research and made made sure it wasn't insulting. And they decided that the second book cannot be called Kaya Learns a Lesson. Because it's much more serious. Kaya got captured by a neighboring tribe. So it was called Kaya's Escape instead. So it's like much more deep. And she's like a wonderful friend with loyalty. Another recap. (laughs) Now, we have American girls who existed before America. We have a girl living through the great depression and we have a book series in Spanish. We're doing good.
0: We're doing really good. We're, this is incredible.
1: We're doing great. So 2004 to 2008, we have our first best friends doll collection. And this goes for a while. Like Nellie is Samantha's best friend and Elizabeth Cole is fully Fel- uh, Felicity's best friend and Elizabeth Bennett is Molly's best friend, but they just go and go and go. And They eventually discontinued the best friend line because the goal was that the girl, the doll you purchase, is your best friend. Mm. But it was cool for a while because it allowed people to like when we get to Julie Albright's story, eventually her best friend was Ivy and Ivy's the only Asian American doll in the main historic collection because her best friend was Asian. So it's like if you want to buy one of the historic dolls, not a truly me doll or a, girl of the year doll then the only asian doll is ivy so it, it gave them a chance to branch out okay. without having to create all these books because every time they create a new character they've got to create all Right, these books. It's, it's a
0: lot of work it's
1: very hard so that's why they have all these other lines to make sure they're hitting all the pieces home yeah american girl today um is renamed just like you it was just like you now it's truly me and like you said there are boutiques with cafes and salons so you can get your dolls ear pierced you can take them to the hospital in 2009 this is the Katie doll her name is Rebecca Rubin <laughs> Rebecca is a Jewish girl in 1910 America her mother and grandparents migrated to the United States from Russia her family adheres to all the Jewish religious and cultural holidays so it's really hard for her to fit in because she doesn't celebrate Christmas oh. so she could did not have a Christmas book like the other girls. Her face doesn't use the classic mold. They use the Josefina mold. And she has curly brown hair. And it's the first Jewish doll released in all of the American Girl series. And then we bounce to 2011. And they release Marie Grace and Cecile, known as Cece, together. It is a white American girl and a black American girl living in 1850s New Orleans. Cece is popular and outgoing. She's the African American girl. She wants to be on stage. She's incredible. She's super nice. She dresses super fancy because a lot of the American girls prior to this, it was like she's a tomboy. She doesn't want to be girly. But Cece was like, no, I like being girly. And also Rebecca Rubin wanted the um, Jewish girl wanted to be in showbiz. Her outfit along with Melody's outfits are my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) Rebecca Rubin's outfits are top notch. Okay, So Cece, she dresses nice and she likes being girly. And Marie Grace is not like that. She's super shy. So it's showing an interracial friendship, which is really important. So Then we get 2012, Caroline Abbott, and she's the War of 1812 girl living in New York shipyard with her dad, and we like Caroline. Caroline's got blonde hair. She's really fun. She wants to go on ships with her dad, but she's not brave and strong like the other girls. This was a trend. She was super brave. She was super strong. Caroline is anxious and worried oh. and always trying to figure out what to do, and she's bad at making decisions, and you get to read through her books as she slowly becomes stronger and better. So, recap. We've now introduced an interracial friendship, a doll that can speak some French because they're in New Orleans. One of the dolls right, that can speak yeah. French. We have a Jewish doll that doesn't celebrate Christmas, and we have a doll that struggles with anxiety. Oh my God. It's getting incredible. Then they decide to retire Samantha. And that was a big fucking mistake. Yeah, big mistake. Huge. Don't take away Samantha. But because of that, people freaked out. So they had to start the Be Forever line, which is not the historic line, but it's really just like so they bring back all the retired ones and put them in the Be Forever line. Obviously, this whole line is made for 8 to 13-year-old girls. They cover topics in the American Girl books like child labor, child abuse, poverty, racism, slavery, alcoholism, animal abuse, and losing family members to war. Things that people don't talk to girls about.
0: We're like children in general, honestly. And you're reading all these books about
1: it. It's so very cool. Yeah. So we get, and this is all in my daughter's lives, which I love. We get Mary Ellen larkin next she's the first girl added to the forever line that wasn't an original historic character she used the classic mold and chronologically occurs after molly so these are the first dolls that came post world war ii okay and we get a plethora of them between 2015 and now okay she had a billion siblings and hated being asked which daughter she was she was a girl scout and loved geography and to explore but her Really important trait. She had polio when she was seven. (gasps) Like my grandmother. Yeah. And one of her legs wasn't as strong, but she overcomes it by pushing through and learning to love swimming and running and playing. And then we get Melody, who I referenced earlier for her fucking cute (laughs) outfit. Melody is a young black American girl living during the civil rights movement. She loves Motown music and she is the only girl in the product line to have a book in her case when you get her because... All of her books were released before her because she was a promotional trial for the American Girls Reward Point program, which, spoiler, worked really well. And now you can (laughs) sign up for points and get a whole bunch of free shit. There we go. But she had special discounts. So if you're going to look up dolls just to look at clothes, Melody, Ellison, and um, Rebecca Rubin, they're the ones you need to look at their outfits. Obviously, again, in this time, Felicity, Molly, in and out of the vault. Nobody right. can buy them. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so, um, Nani Mitchell was released in 2017. And this is the first doll to be released to overlap with another doll's story. Hmm. But she was in Hawaii during World War II. So, Molly McIntyre... And her story actually overlap, But for the first time, we get a Hawaiian girl who lived through the attack of Pearl Harbor. And her dad had worked there. And, you know, she wanted to be useful and prove to her family how great she was. But she didn't get the chance before her father was attacked at the Pearl Harbor attack. So looking at this through the eyes of a Hawaiian girl was much, much different. She's also one of only two girls whose meat outfit... Is not a dress or a skirt, hmm. so Nana Mitchell, not a dress or skirt, and neither's the next one <laughs> Julie <laughs> Albright. Who is great, and she's our 1970s feminist. Julie Albright is in jeans with a peace sign tank top and a long straight blonde hair, and this is the doll my other daughter has. (laughs) This is the one she loves. Julie's parents are divorced because her mother wanted to be an entrepreneur, and her dad was disapproving of that. This is the first divorced parent situation in the American Girls. She's a great basketball player and fights at her school for the right to play because of the sexist assumptions that her skill level is not. Not good enough. Bah. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> She's released simultaneously with the Best Friend line, her best friend's Ivy, who I mentioned earlier, who's the only Asian historical doll. Um, so then we're going to, this is the most recent doll. And I don't want to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. This is the 2020 doll, historic doll line. She's the 1986 doll. <laughs>
0: Oh my God!
1: <laughs> Which makes me officially old. <laughs> oh my God. Her name is Courtney Moore. Of Courtney, course it's Courtney. It is. And she's wearing bright. Bright colors that look like she could be all saved by the bell. And she's got a scrunchie <laughs> with big curly hair. And she lives in Orange County, Cali, California with a blended family. She's got step siblings and half siblings and a stepdad. Her mom's running for mayor. Her favorite song is Cyndi Lauper's Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Mm, same. She also likes the movie The Goonies. <laughs> same. I'm so old. <laughs> um, and she's just a really cool character so I mean this is the most recent historic doll so recap again we've added a black doll living during the civil rights movement a doll with polio a feminist a doll with a blended family and a doll that lived through the Pearl Harbor attack
0: that's pretty wild I'm going to be honest. I feel like they need to add one who like lived through the Japanese internment camps. Cause I feel like the yeah. Asian representation is not super. It isn't. Now they have the added that up.
1: into the contemporary line and the okay. girl of the year line, which I'm going to talk about very, very briefly. So Ooh, I'm okay. sorry if these dolls are your favorite. <laughs> so like the contemporary characters are just characters that they've added that you can purchase that are living like today. Okay. Um. And they've evolved to include boy character dolls that you can get and there's Korean American dolls that you can get but one of the cool things about this is their book line because there's these books that I've bought for my daughters and they're called you and there's a younger you and an older you and the younger you is just a book about how to put on deodorant and Mm. what it's like to get your period and what to do about acne and the older you is like about sex and things like that and they're just really cool really cool books for young girls. It's like, yeah. the, hello, God, it's me, Margaret, but like specifically targeted, right? To like help girls out. Well, so and th- also
0: frankly to help parents out talking about it because like, exactly. My mom did not know how to talk about that shit.
1: No. And it's just the same way that people were uncomfortable talking to our age about slavery. Yeah. This is, these books are made to talk to girls about things that are uncomfortable. Yeah. So it's really cool. So the American girl brand branched out to help talk to children about important and intimate things and they're giving history lessons, but also present day lessons that are roadblocks in the path of mm-hmm. young girls. Mm-hmm. Also. So I mentioned the girl of the year collection and this is, they get released from January 1st to December 31st or while supplies lasts. Um, these are present day girls with present day problems and They're really cool. There's only been like 10 of them and I'm going to run through them because they started in 2001. Okay. Lindsay Bergman, Jewish doll references her brother's bar mitzvah. This is our second Jewish doll. Kaylee Hopkins is a surfer who protests the development to destroy tide pools in her neighborhood. Marisol Luna is a dancer from Chicago. She's the second Latinx girl after Josefina. Jess mcconnell is a japanese american and irish scottish girl and was the Ooh. first girl to be officially biracial in the line That's so cool nikki fleming trains service dogs in colorado on a ranch mia sinclair has red hair <laughs> and her parents don't have a lot of money but she loves figure skating so they try to pay for it this doll was premiered on oprah chrissa <laughs> <laughs> maxwell her Her line included two best friends of different races. Lani Laney Holland loved biology and wanted to be a scientist. Kanani Aiken is a Japanese Hawaiian descent girl living in Hawaii present day. McKenna Brooks is a talented gymnast who struggles with school, so she's not smart like all the girls. Sage Copeland is from New Mexico and loves riding horses. Isabel Palmer lives in Washington, D.C. in the heart of America. Leah Clark visits her brother, brother in Amazon Brazil in the Amazon in Brazil and wants to be a photographer, and then American Girls starts advocating and sending a whole bunch of money to the World Wildlife fund Uh, Gabriella McBride is a poet using writing to help overcome her stutter Blair Wilson lives with her family on a sustainable farm which includes a farm to table restaurant uh, and this year Joss Kendrick is the first deaf American girl doll and comes with a removable hearing aid and two cases in case you lose one
0: that's so cool it's
1: very cool I used uh, to and okay so Pleasant was giving a speech and she said, I used to think of myself as the mother of American girl. I guess now I'm the grandmother, Mm -hmm. but I did it for the love of the girl. I did it for the love of teaching. My goal was to show girls that you matter. Your decisions are important. Take yourself seriously. You're going to change the world. We value girls in all different types. We're not just dolls. We're storytellers. The girls are agents of change and they're changing history and they have been all along And I want to end with a wonderful 2020 Twitter battle that happened. (laughs) (laughs) So when we were in the heat of um, the racial relations in the United States, Mm -hmm. uh, which we should be because our system is fucked.
0: Right. And we're still in.
1: (laughs) It's not gone away. It hasn't gone away. It's not gone away. Um, There was somebody who criticized Addie Walker online and said, American girl, they need to stop selling slave dolls. Social media lit up. This is what Chaos in the Making said. <laughs> Don't you? F- Fucking dare disrespect American girl in my house, especially Addie. That was my first real contact with the horrors of slavery as I read about her father being whipped and sold and her mother escaping with her to freedom, but also how freedom was still a struggle. A slave doll? Please read the books. Oh. And then Iron Woman 359 backed it up under her post by saying, And don't forget Kirsten, the Swedish immigrant who had to deal with balancing her own culture and learning the English language and customs of her classmates. Or Kaya, the brave but careless girl from the Nez Pierce tribe. Or Josefina, the Mexican girl learning to be a healer. And Rebecca, the Jewish girl who dreams of becoming an actress in the budding film industry. Or Julie, who fights against her school's gender policies surrounding sports in the 70s. Or Nane, the Hawaiian girl whose father worked at Pearl Harbor these books these characters are fantastic pictures into the life of a girl in America throughout the years they pull no punches with the horrors that these girls had to face in their different time periods and in many cases I learned more about history from this series than from my social studies at school and that's without even mentioning the girl of the year series where characters are created in the modern world to help girls deal with issues like friends moving and bullying we do not disrespect american girl in this house
0: oh my god and that is american girl i love it i love it so cool right i I love that it's like coming after it being like hey (laughs) I know that, like, this is what it looks like to you on the surface, but this is what it actually fucking is. This it is not is what's happening. Groundbreaking.
1: It is groundbreaking. It's made Ugh. girls accepting of all women in all different time periods. So don't fucking disrespect American girl in don't this house. Don't
0: disrespect it. I love that. And that's all the story. Oh, that's so good. All right. Well, I mean, I'm so ready to get into these two very, like, American stories in a little segment we like to call just the two of us what interesting stories to compare very interesting
1: um i well i feel like first off carol king was all over the place she was in new york california (laughs) idaho
0: hawaii she just like has been everywhere She has. And that's the whole point of these girls. (laughs) The, The American Girl dolls is that girls can be dynamic and interesting and they can move and they can have these worldly experiences like Carol had. But it doesn't mean they are a different person. You know, like even though Carol grew up, you know, in this Brooklyn Jewish household, you know, in the city. At the end of her story, she's in rural Idaho, you know, and living a completely different life. And I feel like that's the whole thing about American Girl Dolls is you can vision who you are, who you want to be, and who you were in the past. Like, I always think that it's cool that you can look at American Girl Dolls and be like, oh my gosh, like if you're a person who like had ancestors who were you know of the you know colonial era and you know about i mean like i so identify with felicity that's so cool that's what like my great 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 grandmother was doing right
1: and i like it's cool but also it's like you know what carol king we got to see live out her life these girls we get a snapshot into their nine-year-old life yeah we get a couple of years six books that are based around them being nine years old yeah you know and it's neat and i love that when you were talking about carol king when she was nine years old you were like she's just a Normal Jewish girl living in Brooklyn, yeah. like you said those words, and it's like that's what all little girls are. You're yeah. just a normal little girl living in blank. Yep. And then you get to write your own goddamn story. Yep. And American Girl dolls stop writing their story at nine, but Carol King wrote her story forever up yep. until she wrote her own goddamn autobiography.
0: No, absolutely, and that's kind of what I love about both of these things is that there is endless potential. Carol Kane can write a song about whatever era she herself is in and American Girl dolls can create a storyline for any time period or anything that any current girl is going through. And I I think that that is so crucial because what we need to understand is how other people think. And like Carol King is like, this is how I think. These are my fucking songs. Like, this is what I've been through. Like, right. she's an open book. And I kind of love that, like you were saying, we get these snapshots of these girls at one very particular age. And, like, we don't know what happens to Addie or Felicity or Samantha or Molly, like, or Josefina. Like, we don't know how their story ends but we can connect with them on such a personal level from this one little moment and write the story from there. And I feel like that's what that's what Carol King has done her whole life. She's like, yeah, this is what's going on, but here's where I'm you know, like I don't know where I'm going to be, but this is what's happening now. They're like little snapshots.
1: I think it's easier to relate to if you can look at a girl's yeah. story and it's just her nine year old story. It's like, OK, well, I get to write the rest. And that's what's cool about it, because what we learned from American Girl Story and from Carol King's story is that, you know, what's common. Abuse is common. Yeah. Divorce is common. Success is also common. So get your get your shit together and just know that you're common. Just, yeah, I'm just like everybody else. And I have somebody I can lean on. Yeah. And we can figure it out.
0: Yeah no exactly and it's also like I feel like when you hear stories growing up about like well this is the American dream this is the American dream and it's like well my life doesn't look like that and then you can look at something like American Girl Dolls and be like oh I see myself in that and then you have Carol King who is this like very kind of classic American story of like a young girl who like really went after what she wanted and ended up finding herself because i think that's one of the most important parts about the carol king story is like she was asked like later in life she was like because she ha- was married four times and they're like well what was going on there she was like i don't know she was like i feel like i was kind of like trying to find myself in these men and then i just was like oh no i am enough and that's what american girl dolls tries to like cut through it the quick they're like you are enough as you like you don't need anyone else if you want a best friend here she is here they are like you can write your own story however you want it to be but like if you need to connect with someone right now like here they are
1: yeah it's hard too because it's i think that you know people look at the innocence of girlhood as so so lovely and and these women do these girls did grow up to be women in these time periods and they did have to deal with all the stresses of adulthood and they did have to get pregnant at 17 and they Mm -hmm. did have to deal with abusive husbands and Mm -hmm. like, and we don't get that side of the story because we don't get to see it, but we do get to see it with real life people like Carol King and she dealt with it with grace.
0: No, she absolutely did. And she showed everybody like what can come of the other side because like as great as American Girl dolls are, you're right. They only show like a, like this little snapshot. And Carol's like, no, you can go through all of that and still be okay. Because I mm-hmm. think sometimes when you're in the thick of it, you think that you won't be okay. Yeah. But
1: I also want to give a shout out to um, Pleasant Roland here in oh, terms of yes. writing. Because like, okay, so a lot of people go to college to become teachers and become teachers like me. And they're too scared to go into the private sector, yeah. which is where the money is, mm-hmm. and the private sector with people begging you to write curriculum and write books and mm-hmm. write textbooks because it's scary because you've been told you're a teacher and teachers do this. But she was just like, you know what? I'm just going to do all these other things. And the books that she wrote, I mean, her and Carol King were born almost the same year and became famous almost the same year. Yeah. I mean,. The, the books and songs that they both
0: wrote changed america and they, the world they absolutely did the world. World. it's insane yeah
1: our culture is different because of those two women
0: no they they absolutely did and i kind of love that i feel like carol king is this like I didn't know this about her until I did this research but she's like this prodigy like she's so young she's doing all these incredible things like and I know that there are stories about her like being on the radio when she was like a little kid that like you know were kind of mentioned in her memoir but I only got the free couple pages on Amazon <laughs> so like I didn't know how to get to them in detail and then you have Pleasant who <laughs> she's like this is the career I'm like Carol King always had like one straight trajectory. She's like, I'm a singer songwriter. Like I'm a songwriter. The furthest I'll expand out is I'm a singer songwriter. (laughs) And I feel like pleasant was just like, you know what? I'm not feeling this anymore. I'm going to change my whole life because like, this is the spirit of the American girl that like, I can choose my own story and my own destiny. And what I have to say matters because at the end of the day, They were both writers Mm. and like they wrote things that could be inspirations for generations to come. And I think that is so powerful that like not only are they inspirational, but they're comforting. Oh, yeah. I find so much comfort in just the idea of American girl dolls. Oh, yeah. And like, I feel like that's the same way we we're talking about with Carol King's music. It's like a warm blanket. And like, even though the girls in the books are going through like really tough things, it feels really good to be looking at it through a child's perspective. Cause it's like, they're still okay. And I can be okay. And that's what you feel when you hear Carol King's movie music It's, it's like, true. she's okay. And I will be okay. And that's all we can ask for at the moment. It's like, anybody some connection. tell us I can be
1: okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> please, it's 2020. We need it.
0: And, like, at certain t- times in their life, like, the girls and the, the American girls were not okay. Carol King was not fucking okay. But there's some hope there. And I feel like that is just like glimmering through. And it's not saying that that bad shit didn't happen. It's saying, like, yeah, it happened, but I got through it you know and i just i don't know i i love it and i feel like carol would have fucking loved an american girl doll when she was a kid
1: (laughs) listen i'll tell you what i didn't need was courtney moore to be from 1986 it's
0: what i it's what i didn't need this week or for carol king to write the care bears theme song (laughs) Uh, i definitely
1: needed that that was that was a true true thing (laughs) uh here's Courtney by the way just so you can
0: get oh my gosh I love that she's like buy a
1: arcade (laughs) arcade
0: game (laughs) I love her she's perfect
1: uh she probably loved the Ghostbusters okay
0: (laughs) so are you ready to toast I'm so ready to toast um Allie who would you like to toast this evening so
1: I want to toast young girls who I don't think get the respect they deserve and you know they get to see themselves in these in these books but they don't get to see themselves in history books yeah and i want them to know that they're not invisible and you did exist then and you do exist now you went through and do go through all the hardships and struggles that full-grown men go through and most people don't even give you the dignity to explain it to you when you ask a difficult question so to all those girls out there Who, I mean, maybe you're a mom right now, or maybe you let your children listen to this podcast for some (laughs) god-awful reason. (laughs) I mean, my kids listen to it, so (laughs) I'm a Satan mom. Um, But just really, like, it's incredible to be an American girl, extend girlhood, that's such an old person thing to say like be a kid as long as you can but like (laughs) extend it it's powerful and young girls do amazing things they do all the time so Mm. cheers to you
0: cheers oh my straw won't reach Mm. there we go um i'm going to toast women who are old souls which is so funny that we're talking about these nine-year-old girls (laughs) I know but I just feel like with Carol King's story like I feel like every I feel like throughout the whole story like she seems so like confident in some ways and like not so confident in others and I just feel like that I feel like she was an old soul and I think she knew that that's why she's like I'm just an old Jewish woman at heart like I just want to hang out and play board games and write music and I think that that translates into a timelessness in her music which is not so you know I feel like with the American Girl Dolls like it's timeless because it's literally all the time periods but with Carol King it's timeless because no matter who you are or where you find yourself in life like you can find enjoyment out of one of the thousands of songs that she's written for herself or other people. And I think that's the beauty of Carol King is that in her old soulness, she is absolutely timeless. So cheers to her.
1: Cheers. All right, Allie. What are you enjoying in pop culture this week? My God, have you heard of the Queen's Gambit?
0: No, okay. <laughs> is it a show? A movie? It is what is, a is new it? New show on Netflix, okay. but a
1: short, a mini series. It's only like six episodes or something. Okay. And remember when we did the um, episode on Nazi Pachitsi? Yes, I do. Chess player. Okay, mm-hmm. so this is kind of set back in the day. Okay, a little girl whose parents die, and she goes to an orphanage, and like the custodian teaches her how to play chess, Ooh. and she becomes like a like incredible prodigy chess player it is raunchy you can't let your kids watch it (laughs) you could you could you have to do a lot of explaining but it's raunchy and it's fun and it's just so female empowering and Mm. also like just weird and artsy and I would Producer and I got through like three episodes and we were like, oh my God, <laughs> what is happening? I love it.
0: Yeah. That sounds great. It's very, very good. Right. It's, the it's very Gambit. your style type yeah. of show.
1: The Queen's Gambit apparently is a tr- chess setup. Hmm. Okay. Like, you know how like there's plays in sports? Sure. Like wh- However, you put pieces on the board. Like if you're doing something, they're like, aha, that's the Queen's Gambit.
0: Interesting. I, don't I love that.
1: I've, I've I've learned that from. Uh, I've <laughs> learned that about chess. I don't chess know is so far beyond. I don't know above know
0: my head anything about chess.
1: But th- it's a great. I mean, she gets this is this is it. She's like <laughs> playing a famous male chess player and like gets her period for the first time in the middle. Of the oh, match, she's like fourteen. My and she's God. like, and like goes to the bathroom and then the oh, another woman comes in and she's like wiping blood off her tights and she was like. Do you have something? And she's like, "It's my first time." And then like gives her a tampon, and then she's just like,
0: "Uh, uh, uh," oh. and then like
1: throws it in the toilet because <gasps> she doesn't know what to do. So she just stuffs her underwear with toilet paper. Oh, We've I, all been I there. I, who got my late? Oh my I god! Just, it's
0: so cool.
1: It's very good. I yeah. just every male that just heard that story does not want to watch this show
0: now. But no. that's a very short scene. Oh, that sounds <laughs> fantastic! It's good. Watch <laughs>
1: it. Watch it this evening. The Queen's Gambit.
0: Perfect. Um. I am going to promote an Instagram girl. <laughs> it is a like Instagram kind of like comedian girl. Um, it's Karen D Cass and Cass has like, I think three S's in it. Cassis. And it, she makes these videos that are like every teacher you had in high school and middle school and elementary school. And I it's love like, a teacher joke. Oh my God. And it like, she does videos like, you know, like a teacher walking around the classroom, like helping you with a test. And she's like, what did we we talked about number four? We talked about number four. I know we did. <laughs> and then it's like teacher walking around in silence sometimes I'm like Shh. <laughs> And like just like the way that she does her videos are so fucking funny. Those are the teacher ones are my favorite, but then she has some ones that are like this is a jazz lounge singer, and it's absolutely me. <laughs> um, you know, it's like this is what you have to do. You have to point to the crowd a little bit, wink a whole bunch, almost take a sip of your drink, but then don't. And like she's just so fucking funny um so um karen d Cass, it's incredible really fucking funny videos especially the teacher series i'm very excited about that I, I i <laughs> meant to show you them before we started tonight and then i forgot but i'm going to show you them afterwards okay. they're okay. so okay. funny okay. 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 um but yeah but that's it so okay. thank you for listening we appreciate you so much um don't forget to rate and review us on apple iTunes podcast whatever the hell it's called Caesar, nowadays Play, all the places
1: <laughs> all of it all of it all find of us it. everywhere be with find us, us everywhere.
0: everywhere talk to us engage with us we love it and um I don't know I feel like that's it and like you know, the drill. Right. You yeah. know the drill you know the drill um, right um, let's do something about do it. do something about it but most of all, we want you to never forget that well behaved women know
1: the actual name of their favorite shade of nail polish. Ooh, that's true. <laughs>
0: and they rarely make history. Uh, bye bye. <laughs>